Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 44 for Wednesday, December 5th, 2018. In this episode, we chatted with Texas Dave Carapation of Rally Ready Rally School. If you don't know Dave, you don't know what you're missing. The following two hours covers everything from Pike's Peak and a hilarious encounter with Sebastian Loeb, to Aaron Kaufman and the Discovery Channel with some digs at JVL, UTVs and changes in the auto industry, more smack talk of JVL, gluten-free beer, as well as the Baja 1000 and pee bags glued to wieners. Did I mention we smack talk JVL? It's lots of laughs with the rallyists that Texas should be very proud of. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. And as I said, we have our special guest guest with us this evening. It is Texas Dave. Uh, Dave, is it Carapatian? Is that how you say it? I, I, I swear I've got to be messing that up. Man, that's good enough. It's uh, you, you can't screw it up worse than I've heard before. So yeah, Carapatian, that was probably, I mean, I was give you like a 98 on that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, but Texas Dave um, from Rally Ready Rally School. Um, you've, you've had quite the year so far, uh, you know, most recently we've known you from, uh, racing up here, uh, with the guys from, uh, uh, from the Discovery Channel and, and Aaron Coffin and all that stuff with the, with the shifting gears thing, but you've got quite the program you have going on down there in Texas with the Rally Ready Rally School. But before we get into that, I want to know, how did you get started in this whole rally gig? Cause we don't hear a lot of it in Texas. Yeah, no, there's uh there's there's not many folks that uh that aren't hanging out here who are involved in the sport in Texas. Um yeah, no, I I grew up uh I grew up here in Austin. Uh I guess technically I live in Dale now, but um I grew up in in Austin and um in uh high school I started playing in a bunch of like punk rock and hardcore bands and some of the guys I was playing in some bands with were they were in their probably early 20s at the time and were super into like street racing and drag racing Hondas and so I started hanging out with those guys. Uh, I grew up in a house with like my great grandpa's Lincoln logs and occasionally PBS would come on and that was about all my, uh, my digital entertainment. So I didn't grow up with video games or any of that stuff. It was like, you know, I'd get shoved out the door on a bicycle every day after school. And so hanging out with some of these guys, I was at their house when I was, must've been 15 and was playing Gran Turismo three and was like, you guys, have you not, are you kidding me? Do you guys not know about the rallying in this game? And they're like, yeah, it's cool, man, whatever. I was like, I don't feel like you guys understand. Like what, why aren't we just doing this all day, every day? They're like, cause it's a video game. And I was like, no, can we just, we can just get rally cars, right? Like, I'm sure it's that easy. So, uh, so I, I, you know, just went down the Google spiral. Of course, this is pre YouTube. And so I found Pat Richard's 2003, uh, season highlights video and, and downloaded it. And if it was a VHS tape, I would have worn it out. Um, I watched <laughs> awesome. it so many times. And so, yeah, I, I, I just dove in head first. I, uh, I sold all my recording gear and all my, my music stuff. And I bought a, a, a suit and helmet and stuff off of rally nuts. And then, uh, I, I basically spent what would have been my college money to, uh, to buy my first rally car on my uh, 17th birthday. Wow, you went all in. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, you know, you there's, there's my parents look good in hindsight. They look like, wow, they're they're just visionaries. No, that was a terrible decision. Do not buy your 17-year-old a rally car for his birthday. That is not good parenting. <laughs> Jesus. Like what do you what? That's not that's not how this works at all, people. So uh, yeah, so I got I bought a car from uh, old Ivor Wiggum, formerly of the European Rally School, now the firm in Florida. Uh, and it was his personal rally car, and 
we, it was an Integra Type R, and of course, like growing up with all these like Honda kids, that was that's like the holy grail of all holy grails. So to get an, mm-hmm. a Type R rally car, like, are you kidding me? That's not even real life. So, um, yeah. So I went from uh, uh, daily driving. I had two vehicles. My mom had an '87 Chevy Nova, which is just a Corolla with a Chevy badge, that she got for 500 bucks after my sister totaled her Kia Sportage. And then my dad, uh, in the late '80s, he bought a '56 Ford F100. Uh, no power steering, three on the tree, straight six. And he, I have two older sisters, and he was like, you guys want to drive? That's your car. Good luck. So both of my older sisters drove this thing to the high school parking lot with no power steering. And uh, I came along, and of course, that was like, you know, first vehicle I learned how to drift in and slide around in, and uh, which is highly dangerous because of the, it's like 13 turns lock to lock. So like you initiate a slide and then you you like kind of let the wheel shuffle through your hand at the mm-hmm. time, you know, and it's like just like like rope burn across your palm. Um, but yeah, so I you know I just just same as everybody else, just you know hood rat kid trying to find cool places to do stuff, driving through fields and whatever else. Got my rally car when I was seventeen. Um, first event was Rally to Paris here in in uh, North Texas, and uh, which I now defunct was one of the coolest rallies on old tank training roads at the National Guard base. Also, oh, was that and, a National Guard? Because I was, I was looking this up, you know, because, I mean, as any good uh, journalist, you know, EWRC results, uh, <laughs> you know, they have always all the data on everybody's uh, <laughs> finishing history, and, yeah. you know, at events. And so Rally to Paris, I, I was not familiar with this uh, with this rally. Oh, man. Rally to Paris was so awesome. So it was... A National Guard base, and they all the troops went home for Thanksgiving, so we got run of the place Thanksgiving weekend. So um, it was it was a bunch of tank training roads, and so we so would run. So it's plot. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Watch out for the Hinklesteins. So <laughs> we were we were we were you know however many what twelve rally cars, which you know was was a that would be a five state effort to get twelve rally cars at that thing, because um, <clears throat> there's none in Texas. Like if you look at the map of rallies in North America, it's this is this is the most inconvenient place you could be, arguably. Um, I, I was sure thinking so. that because I mean the the closest one to you is Hundred Acre Wood, and that's uh, I think I looked it up. It's thirteen hours. That's the one. Yep. So um, yeah, so we did rally to Paris. I had never seen a rally, never been to a rally. Um, showed up with a rally car, didn't quite understand the difference between uh, stage notes, pace notes, and tulips, and um, I, I paid as I paid diligent attention. I mean, I, I, for the past, you know, the year, the, the year before that I did nothing but, you know, read SECA performance rally rule book and memorize everything I could. And I was just like down the, down the rabbit hole. Uh, but still, you know, at 17. And, um, so I, I stuffed it on the second to last stage on my first event. But uh, but I but I managed to get it out and finished, and so because I was the only car in production, you know, got my got my sweet win, and uh, <laughs> that earned me an invite to the Club Rally National Championships. I was like, well, here we go, this is it. So showed up again, first out of one car. So uh, pretty much just killing the game. I was a uh, I was already a national champion. My second event in. And um, so the next event we decided to do was the, just like looking on the calendar, what's coming up. And we're like, oh, Pikes Peak, we should go do that because it was part of the Rally America calendar. So uh, third event ever was Pikes Peak in a stock Acura Integra with, you know, I think it was, I think we dynoed 120 wheel horsepower in Denver, which is, you know, 4,000 feet 
lower than the start line. Yeah, and, right. Uh, <laughs> Pike Peak. The thing, the thing, dude. You'd, you'd shift to third gear on the top section. You'd be like second, where third, where. Oh man, it was, it was a, whew, it was a pathetic effort. But, um, it was that was that for me. Like that was my whole. That became my whole life. So I, uh, what EWRC wouldn't show is I, I did eleven years in a row at Pike's Peak after that. So, wow. uh, yeah, I did 11, 11 hill climbs there and I, uh, that, that I is on that. my bucket list. It is, it is one of the quintessential events in North America, in the world, really to, to, to go witness, you know, I've, I've got yeah, my it's... Indy 500 badge. I've been there, you know, that that's on that bucket list. Right. And Pike's peaks right up there. Totally. And, and, uh, it's a good one to have on your bucket list because it's a good place to die for whether you're spectating, driving, or otherwise. There's no shortage of different ways. My sister was uh, gently struck by lightning there. Um, oh, I, I stuffed a I stuffed a rally car into a snowbank in July there. Um, obviously, we all know about about uh, old Foley's folly, Jeremy Foley mm-hmm. hooking up the side and giving it a the uh, the old spin dry. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good place to go. If, uh, if you got a bucket list, just make sure it's the last thing on the bucket list. Cause you may or may not get to the other things. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I always like it. I mean, I think all motorsport, but Pikes Peak especially is, it is all the parallels to just a bad drug addiction. Like every year, you know, I'm like, okay, it's going to be great. We're going to, it's going to be awesome. And we show up and it is the most miserable thing. And I'm all, my money is gone. I'm like a total junkie all week. I'm, I don't sleep. I'm like barely eating. I'm a shell of a human. All my relationships are just like in tatters afterwards. You go home and you're like, okay, I'm never doing it again. And you sober up and then a few months goes by and you're like, yeah, no, nah, I think, I think that was the last one for me. And then, you know, you, you're like, oh, entries are closing in a few weeks. You know, I'll just enter, but I can always like withdraw if I don't, you know, no, nah, I'll just, and then next thing you know, you're like, what am I doing here again? This, it's like, oh, it is, it is hell week. It is, is hell. It, week. What makes Pike's Peak such a hell week? Is it just because so much has to be crammed into that short amount of time? So, you know, in a rally, you've, you've got a, you've got, you know, X number of days, three or four days between recce and, um, and scrutineering and, you know, two days of stages or whatever. And, uh, and you're part of a championship generally, and you have a vehicle that can go do all these other rallies, um, or in the case of UTVs, which we'll get to in a bit, can do anything with Pike's Peak is like, it's a one trick pony, almost like 90% of the field there. It's a purpose built car, um, for this 12.42 mile hill climb that is, just becomes this all-consuming part of your world. It's like if you look at, like you were just saying, the EWRC results, it's pretty clear when <laughs> Pike's Peak took over because um, it's like, oh, yeah, we did some events. We did some – no, it's just exclusively um, just became Pike's Peak. And uh, it went from like a we'd take our rally car and you know put some – asphalt tires on it too we'd take a rally car and put a big turbo on it and then add a wing and then it was bought a pike speed car and then only had a pike speed car with 700 horsepower and uh a splitter so big we could have hosted the last supper on it and, uh, <laughs> so that you know it, but it's you know you're up at two o'clock in the morning you're on the mountain at four um and you're you're driving from you know six to nine in the morning for four days straight in you know freezing temperatures often and uh it's just a it's it is one of the most brilliant and exciting places on the planet but um yeah i did my time <laughs> <laughs> but and, and you got to be there 
before it was all paved and then also i guess into the transition of when it was i'm guessing right yeah so i my first year was 2005 like i said when it was a rally america event and uh so you know ran in a in a production car um I came back in 2006 when it was when I, you know, I just entered the hill climb proper in a supercharged car. 2005, there was about a mile of of uh, asphalt from the start line to, oh, I guess, two miles from the start line to picnic grounds, um, which is on the on the lower section there. Mm-hmm. And then from picnic grounds all the way up through the W's, all the way to the top was all all gravel. 2006 um, added a little bit more in some sections, and then every year since it just, you know, it was paving, paving, paving all the way through 12. Um, when Reese got the record and then obviously we know who came along the year after and uh, <laughs> yeah we do that was of all the things you know I've been fortunate enough to to get to do in uh, my I guess not, I'm not such a short career now um, <laughs> standing on top of Pike's Peak at watching the sunrise it's just me and Sebastian Loeb and you know, his car was parked. I pull up behind him and we're in the same class. You know, I'm like competing against him. I use big giant air quotes when I say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's, wow. it's like, you know, nobody was competing against Sebastian that year. But I, I parked the car next to him and I get out and you're like, so it's you and Loeb on top of Pike's Peak, 630 in the morning. What do you say? So I just walk up and stand next to him and kind of look over and I was like, hey, man, my wing's bigger, but your car keeps coming faster, dude. I don't know. I don't get it. And he just turns and looks at me and like kind of looks away. And I was like, all right, well, I guess that one didn't land. And he, uh, <laughs> he turns back and he goes, uh, yes, but you are uh, engineer, mechanic, uh, driver, and also truck driver, no? And I was like, yeah, among other things. And he goes, yes, but I am only driver, so my job is, uh, is much easier. Your job is much harder than mine. And uh, Respect, I was like, man, man. that is awesome. Like, so great. And so I just go, man, all I'm taking away from this conversation is you just said I'm better than you. So that's that's all I heard. And he's like, OK, if that's what you're hearing, then, uh, yeah, man, it's good for you. <laughs> but he was <laughs> he, he was he was so much and same thing when when Groundholm was there. It's just like these guys on Pike's Peak, you know, for all the drama I make it out to be for somebody who's not running their own team, who's there as a driver man, it is like the chillest deal ever. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I get up a couple hours earlier, but I only work for like five hours. So he just, he loved it. He was, he was just, and he was, you know, climbing all over everybody's car and asking tons of questions and um, walking around wearing his, uh, his uh, uh, notorious B.I.G. shirt, which if everybody's not aware of this, uh, Sebastian Loeb does own a biggie shirt. Really? I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> He's a fucking character, man. He is a character. You know, I, you know, I, I think, well, for a while, I just, I wanted to dislike him, right? Because he just dominated so much in the WRC. But especially as he got older and he became more relaxed. Yeah. He's just a fun guy. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's French, man. I, wait, I never met in a damn Frenchies. It was fun, but for a French guy, I guess he is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just Texas, pull out man, the ac- accent whenever you need to get a little reaction? Is that it? <laughs> that's it. I tell you what, man. That's, that's the easiest way. That's why you know. So I come and take the day, boy. Shoot, <laughs> can't never not know. Uh, well, that that is an awesome experience. I, you're in a very very uh, select group that have been able to witness such greatness from Sebastian Loeb and and being right there at that moment when they accomplished it and hanging out up there at the top of Pikes Peak. That's just, wow. <laughs> yeah. it. I, I, I will say, I mean, I, I am, I am like boundlessly 
grateful and and immeasurably just like in awe of of a lot of the opportunities that I've you know had in in uh, the past 15 years of of frankly recklessly playing with cars and trying to figure out how to make a living at this but um that was that was really that was just such a such a special there's a few moments that were like that and um that was uh that was one of the most one of the most special up there for sure so moving along to well making a career out of uh playing with cars um you now have rally ready rally school how did that come about and how long has it been running yeah, I started uh, with my co-driver Rob Amato. Um, I started well, I guess even before before Rob and I started on it, um, I I kind of had this idea. I won the Open Class at Pikes Peak 2008, nine, and ten, and um, much like I'm sure many people in rallying will attest to, you're so excited about this incredible accomplishment, and then you wake up and nobody gives a shit, and uh, <laughs> so. Um, doesn't really matter at all. And, you know, I was, you know, my early twenties, like, Oh wow, this is it. I've made it to the top of the, uh, nobody cares list. And so yeah, rallying in North America, man, you know, Oh man. Yeah. It's like, it's incredible. All Those of, in all the of... group though, it's a very dedicated group and Oh, for sure. You know, it, it's not really like any other, but it is a very select group. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like any other that it's only sometimes a compliment. The, um, uh, <laughs> it's my favorite group of idiots on the planet for sure. And, and I, um, you know, I, I, we came home from Pike speaking. I was just kind of like, well, what the hell do we do? Like, I, you know, nobody cares about this. The only, the only way to make your, you know, racing resume for lack of a better term into something is, you know, to kind of find your niche. And, uh, summer 2009, I had just started mentoring with big brothers, big sisters. And, uh, my little brother Tyrese had, he hadn't been out of Austin. He was 14 years old. He never left Austin. So we dragged him to Colorado that summer. And he is like first taste of being outside of Austin was the Pikes Peak Hill climb. And, um, so, you know, like first time he'd seen mountains, first time he'd seen snow, first time he'd seen race cars, first time he'd seen any of this stuff. And, and, you know, getting to like, look at the world through his lens and getting to experience all of this stuff, you know, what that was my fifth year up there. And, uh, and so for me, it was, you know, already felt like it was already like, you know, I, I love being up there, but it, there was a lot of, you know, sort of repetition and, and being there with him was like, Whoa, it was all totally new to me again. It was so fun and so exciting. And I realized that that was something I, I really, really, I was super passionate about was, was teaching and mentoring. And, um, and it, it was something that, you know, kind of came naturally. And so we, we started talking about a rally school and, um, fast forward to, it was, uh, it was 2011 that Rob and I really started working on it. So it was, you know, we, we started talking about it in 2009, did a little work in 10, 2011, we, we really started the work in earnest and we basically just started buying uh, shitty old civics off of Craigslist. And, uh, <laughs> nice. you know, I, again, I was a Honda kid, so it's like those, those double wishbone, you know, uh, 90s Hondas just worked so well and they're so cheap and there's infinite parts for them and you can make them slow, fast, or just plain reliable for, you know, the VTEC less... motors, you can string them out. They're great. Totally. Or you get the non-VTEC ones for $250 and you uh, just never lift. And when they explode, you toss it away and you put a new one in in 45 minutes. And so, um, you know, we we spent all this time and did all these, you know, different studies on what platforms we should use and what do people think of rally cars and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, we're like, you know what? We just we want to we want to put them in the car that we think is going to be most effective for our curriculum. So we worked really hard on developing a curriculum that um, that I mean, really is is for all intents and purposes, not 
not tremendously changed. It's evolved certainly to our facilities and to, you know, some of the new cars we run and all kinds of different things, but really the core curriculum we developed, we're, we're incredibly proud of and think is remarkably effective still. Um, we kind of like made, we came up with that. It was like being a cook without a, without a, um, without a kitchen. It's like writing a cookbook with like, you know, I don't know, put some of that in there. We'll see if that works. So we, we did our first sort of test class in the summer of 2012 on a one acre parking lot. It was an overflow parking lot at a circle track. And, uh, we were like, holy crap, that totally worked. Like we brought in, you know, a handful of different people, some who had racing experience, some who didn't know how to drive standard and, you know, everybody in between, it was like, wow, they all left here. It's like really, like really talented drivers. And, um, like, ah, let's try it again. You know, so we did that a handful of times and ironed some things out. And we're like, wow, this like totally works. And it's incredibly quick. And, you know, in two days we were getting people to, to a level that I was, you know, we were watching and I was like, it took me 10 years to learn how to drive like that. And, uh, so, you know, super excited about it. Um, really, really stoked, but also man, it's a lot of work. And so, um, kind of fizzled out towards the end of 12, 2013, I was building an unlimited car for, for Pike's Peak. And so I kind of, fell into the wormhole there um partially uh, part of the distraction was uh rob and i were having a meeting october 25th of 2012 and um you can tell it's gonna be a good story when you can remember the date and uh <laughs> and uh we were sitting across from each other at a little mexican restaurant in south austin and as you do yeah bam loudest noise i've ever heard you know and all there's dust everywhere face down on a table and we uh were like had no idea what happened i thought a bomb went off i genuinely was like this is it we just were a part of a you know terrorist attack and um i had no idea what it had that was the first thing i thought and like pick myself up at this table and look around and there's a rusty one cow trailer there's no cow in it but just a trailer that is parked in the building where our booth was it had popped off of the hitch of a truck driving past this restaurant hopped the curb went through the wall, uh, ran directly into my left leg, which was kind of sitting out of the booth and missed my shoulder by about, you know, two or three inches. And, uh, yes, broke my leg and, um, and, uh, offered me a new lease on life in the process. Cause you never know when you're going to be, uh, eating a hamburger at a Mexican restaurant in South Austin and, you know, almost get killed by a runaway cattle trailer. So I, I, you know, Rob and I each, you know, took away from that our, our different things and, for me, Pike Speak had just been this thing that I, I'd never really gotten to give it the full effort. So I just went all in 2013. Um, we gave it the the old college try. Uh, still came up a little bit short, but at least, you know, we got a finish. And um, uh, and then 2014, when X Games came to Austin, we, we like fully went all in on the rally school again and started kind of stockpiling more cars. Uh, taught, I think, what, six or seven months out of 2014. And then we were fortunate enough, one of our clients that we met at X Games, um, we were on a, on a friend's like, you know, eight acre property teaching the rally school. And um, one of our clients that we we had met through through X Games, he uh, was like, this is the coolest thing ever, man. We need to get you guys a, a real property. So he bought us what we now call the Rally Ranch out here. Uh, we're 40 minutes from Austin on 136 acres. And we've got uh, six and a half-ish miles of of a mix of, you know, open kind of training area, um, some forest rally stages, UTV trails, off-road tracks, jumps. I just built a... All this uh, through a relationship that you made through doing some of this this training you guys have been doing? 
Yeah, it was a client. We he did a half day class with us, and and you know we'd had a handful of folks who were like they would leave, and they were like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever done." What like how do we do more of this? How do I, what do I do? And we were kind of like, "Well, you know, I kind of we don't have a lot to offer right now other than this and like a couple of SCCA rallycross events." And um, this guy Adam specifically, who's a who's a dear friend of mine still, uh, he was like, "No, no, we we need like we need to we need to do this thing right. We need to get you on you know a big piece of dirt." So yeah, he he bought us this property. We've uh, wow been working with him for for uh three years and we're we're getting pretty close to to being able to buy it from him finally um and that you know for us it was like the you know as a field of dreams thing it's like you know i i i'd been told for years and years get the hell out of austin go go somewhere where rallying is or you know go to california and pursue some precision driving or stunt driving and um i really like it here i think it's a really cool town and fortunately uh the rest of the world started to pick up on that in the past uh past 10 years yeah, it's it's exploded out there. Um, and yeah. Obviously, especially with the the F1 track, it uh, you know it has really made it quite the focal point for uh, racing. And of course, for anybody that knows um, history of uh, of motorsports in general, you know Texas is extremely well known for one AJ Foyt, right? It, te- Texas is definitely a home for racing, indeed. Having Coda pop up was like that was like totally re- totally unreal. You know, when that that announcement was made, we were like, "That'll never happen." You know, there's there's no way, there's no way it'll just never, um, it'll just never actually materialize. And you know, I we drive past and see the ground breaking and see things happening, and sure enough, uh, we're 15 minutes from from Circuit of the Americas now, so we're we're just wow. a hop, skip, and a jump from all those events. And um, yeah, we've just been day to time moving dirt and replacing tires, uh, and and kind of growing into into our own niche in in the market. So, uh, obviously is most of your clientele, I guess, just kind of local to you guys there that, uh, people just wanting to get that dirt experience. Funny enough. Uh, no, you know, we're, we're about 25% of our clients are from Austin. Um, another probably 25 or Dallas, 25 or Houston. And then the other 25% are from all over the country, uh, give or take, depending on when, I don't remember the last time I looked at those, uh, numbers. I spend a lot of time on tractors these days, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, we, you know, at any given time we've, we've got pretty much every class, we've got at least, you know, a couple of flying clients. Um, we're, we are fortunate enough being in Austin. Uh, we have 30 something million people within three hours of us. So, um, between Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, uh, we have uh, Fort Hood, which is the largest U.S. military installation in the world. You know, it's like we have we have a really, really uh, exceptionally rich uh, population around us and not wealthy wise, but just like a, a high density population and uh, certainly some wealthy folks as well, which I, I never turn them down. But on that subject, you know, one of the things that that, we're, that I'm most proud of and most excited about, it's like, you know, again, because rallying didn't exist here this is like our field of dreams. It's like, you know, we had to build something that's not just a rally school, not just a, you know, a, a mile of track or a couple of exercise areas to go slide around, but really like, you know, our goal has always been to provide from whoever you are, no matter where you are and where you want to go in rallying, we'd like to be able to provide solutions for that. And <clears throat> I've done some arriving drives years ago. I don't really get the opportunity to do them now. So I send a lot of those off to, to other clients. Um, you know, we've sent some to O'Neill and, um, 
and we've you know sent some folks to our friends at ODD Racing and like uh, you know wherever people want to go. But I, we want to be able to take someone, you know, teach them how to drive standard, teach them how to left foot brake, teach them how to um, you know communicate with the car effectively, put them in a rally cross, run them through a rally sprint here, and then get them hooked up with a, a rental car and, and put them in a stage rally. Um, and uh, so we've we've been really proud of that and. And especially now, as we're starting to kind of move a lot more towards the the UTVs, um, we're seeing even more opportunities for that. Well, I, and you know, to, to give an idea, get an idea of just the breadth of uh, what you guys have been doing, I was actually at a Prelly World Challenge race here in Portland, and I saw a Rally Ready logo on was it a Janetta? KTM. Oh, it was a KTM. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? Rally Ready on what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we, you know, it's, it's just a relationship business as they all are. Right. And, um, we, I we just have, I'm, and I think everybody in, in, at, at all of the other rally schools will attest to the same thing. It's, you know, what, what we get to do when folks come to our schools is we provide, you know, it's like, I always tell our, our new hires and our instructors and stuff, it's like you are very rarely being hired to teach people how to drive rally cars, right? It's it's not that that's not your job. It's not that that's not the, the objective, but that part's the easy part, right? Like eyes, hands, feet, telling people what to do and explaining the exercises and working them through. That's the easy part. It's understanding why somebody's there that's that's beyond that. that that's your real job. And that's that's the thing that we focus so much on. I think we really do exceptionally is, you know, some people are there because they they really need to spend time with their kid because their kid's been struggling had a rough year and you know or has had an amazing year or whatever and they want to reward them for these huge accomplishments for some people this is you know living vicariously uh through us or with us to fulfill a you know lifelong childhood dream for some people it's they just finished battling cancer and they they want to like they want to just start checking the bucket list off and you know it's it's there's so much more that we that we get to offer people and it's such an empowering experience and it's 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 really exciting um to watch people you know show up kind of not unsure and and especially with our program cuz there's just not a lot of information out there cuz again spend more time on a tractor than I should um <laughs> you know people show up really just not not entirely sure of what to expect and they leave genuinely transformed and uh and, and I them, sound... that's that's like your low moment right you know that's it yeah when, totally. when they when they go to leave after that experience they're just like wow that was my love moment but and that but but the thing is honestly and i i know this all sounds like really hyperbolic and goofy but it's like for me the i that that moment with Loeb is like totally surreal absolutely but if somebody asked what you know like the highlight of my time rallying is i wouldn't say that i would say that it was it was early on when i had a guy in 2012 in our shit it might have been our first class ever it was either our first or our second i had a guy who i'd known for a while he was just a super guy from the forums and um you know he was like so excited when we announced this and he was like yeah i'm gonna come do it and um but we we got through the the second day of class and you know we were asking for feedback and we were talking to folks and just you know it was it was our beta class so Mm -hmm. we were getting very candid very raw feedback and and he afterwards pulled me aside and was like I just want to tell you guys that I am not only so blown away by how much we just learned and how much we did in that short period of time, but I don't have the words to express my gratitude for the fact that I sat up watching rally cars, you know, all night when I was a kid, I watched, you know, group B cars and I watched, you know, WRC cars. And this has been like, 
I remember watching a car, you know, Scandinavian flick when I was, you know, a kid and thinking that's the coolest thing of all time and, and just assuming that I would never get to do it. And in two days, you guys took me from being a useless hack to being able to, you know, to do that. And he's like, am I the fastest driver in the world? Absolutely not. But I completely now understand the you know, the, the, the fundamentals of what's happening. And I can, I can show that to somebody and say, Oh yeah, I can do that in a car. And, and he got super choked up and emotional. And I was like, that's what we're here for. Right. Oh, it's like, yeah. It's God. I love that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I, and I know everybody who, anybody listening to this, who's ever instructed a rally class, whether it's at Dirtfish O'Neill, the firm and, you know, CRS school or anywhere else, it's like, it is, that is the most exceptional thing. And we all have a different approach um, you know, we all, we all take a different, uh, different route to get there, but, um, you know, ultimately we're all, we're all getting to provide something for, for people that is, it's, it's a lot bigger than just sliding cars in the dirt. Uh, when, you know, I, I've said it many times, I think on, on our show that, you know, when Dirtfish was just getting going and whatnot, I, I got in on the deal when they were doing a Groupon, you know, and just did a half yeah. day class. And I still, still to this day, all the, the, the few skills I, I learned just in that half day class, there's so much information. And I yeah. still use them today whenever it snows. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like you know? drinking out of a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need yeah. to go do another one. But that said, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's it's an amazing learning experience. And it, fundamentally, what you, you what you first learn is how little you how little you th- you thought you knew about yeah. driving. I, hopefully, yes. Right, and for those, so for starting those from that standpoint, clients. it's like okay, here's the reset. <laughs> it's yeah. like okay, now I'm just, oh weight transfer. That, oh, that's how that works. Okay, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and again, like like you're saying, that guy was like, you know, I, I get it now, right? Um, yeah, totally. I understand where the limits of control are, are and how to balance it, and and things like that. And that's just that's just awesome. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's the best part is, is as you learn, like the better you get, the more you also realize you, you know, you don't know. And, um, which is, which, you know, if you, if you've got the right headspace, it's like the coolest feeling to be like, Whoa, I knew nothing coming into this. I thought I knew some stuff. Now I know a lot, but really what I realize is I know absolutely nothing. And, uh, which is, which is a good metaphor for, you know, egos and in general, (laughs) (laughs) right. <laughs> well said, well said. Well, I, I'm going to have you fast forward a little bit. Um, obviously, your guys' success there um, with Rally Ready um, has uh, drawn some attention over the years. And how did this hook up with the Aaron Kaufman shifting gears thing come about? Yeah, you know, uh, almost any time you know, I'm sitting in a room with other people and we go, man, how did we this or that? Or how do we get to know somebody? Somehow it always ends up going back to Pike speak for, for a bunch of us. And it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I, this is, this is certainly not meant to, uh, I'm not, not, not an honest comparison to, to those who have, um, served, but I, you know, it's, we always talk about Pike speak. It's like, it's like war buddies, right? It's like you, I, I will never know what it's like to, to have, you know, uh, been in the military and the, and the folks who have, you know, have served, we have a, some several instructors who it's like, they have a, they have a totally different connection, a bond that I will never be a part of. And I'll never, I'll never, you know, mm-hmm. get to be in that inner circle. And, uh, same thing with Pike speak. It's like, you can talk about it all you want, but it's like, unless you've stood on top of that mountain on race day and you have been a part of this thing that like, you're all standing there talking about this as if it's like a totally reasonable thing. It's not, this is not a reasonable thing to do with your time <laughs> or money. We're all broken individuals with just, it, just, just, 
irrationally dysfunctional uh, life choices, and I don't know what happened to us, but um, but you know, we the the connections and the the friends you make there are just so close that it's it's like you know you pick up the phone in the middle of the night if even you haven't talked to the guy in two years, and so. Um, Aaron and I first met up there in, uh, it must have been 2014. Um, yeah, because I still have my Evo up there. So uh, when he was, the first year he ran the the Falcon, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know any of this. Like, well, apparently these guys are like, you know, everybody's really into this these guys, and uh, apparently they have a TV show. Um, so we kind of chatted a little bit and saw him again in 2015 when he came back. Um, and that was my last year racing the peak. And so we'd stayed in touch. We did a couple little film projects last year, actually, that still haven't seen the light of day that I'm really excited about. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always looking for excuses to do stuff together and he's, he's been trying to find, um, some excuses to come down here. And so I got a call from him in, uh, February. He was just wrapping up, um, the semi truck build he did. And he said, Hey man, semi truck, right? Yeah, so it was they took it to the Pikes Peak Raceway, which was a little yeah, a little bit different, but um oh, same deal. Right. It's like it's like half of Aaron's season was just his buddies from Pikes Peak. So um <laughs> so uh yeah, so he called me, he's like, Hey man, you know, I wanna bring my guys down and, and have them decompress. They've been just killing it on uh on the past couple builds and um we wanna get into the next thing and so yeah, I was thinking about building a rally car and we don't know anything about it, anywhere to start, figured I'd give you a call. I was like, Cool, so what you know, what do you want to, what do you, what are you thinking? And he's like, I, I want to drive a rally car. That's all. I have no idea. He's like, I am a hundred percent totally defer to any and all input and advice. I have no idea what I'm doing whatsoever. He's like, the only thing I don't want to do is I don't want to be, I don't want to show up and be Mr. TV cool guys. Like I want to, I want to, I don't want any special treatment from the sanctioning body, from you, from anybody else. He's like, I want to do this by the book. So, um, it's like, well then, you know, let's talk cars. So we, we kind of started playing around some ideas. Of course, people knowing him for his Falcon. First thing, my first place I went to was like Mark one, Mark two escort, you know, let's like thinking, let's, you know, build something fun and you put a new EcoBoost in or something. And he was super mm-hmm. into it. And then he started looking up escort prices and he was like, hmm, maybe something less than all the money. <laughs> um, and, yeah. uh, those are those are big projects for sure. Oh man, I, I mean, you know, as I found out, apparently so is an open light car if you're Aaron Kaufman. But um, so I'm really glad we didn't do something that was going to actually be difficult. So we started talking more and more, and I was like, if you want to be like totally the everyman, I say we build like let's build something that is that anybody watching the show, no matter who they are, no matter what, that they could have access to, and like that for me, that's the big thing is like, you know, sure, and you know, rallying, there's plenty of guys out there have big budgets and there's plenty of folks who come to our school, you know, who are, who are wealthy and, and, uh, and this is, you know, just a fun weekend thing. But then there's a lot of kids like me who I didn't grow up with family money. I didn't grow up with, with, you know, grandpa foot in the bill. This isn't like my family's ranch that I just get to play on. Like I got to hustle every day to, to pay for this place. And, you know, a lot of the kids, you know, who, who watch Aaron and a lot of the, the grown men, children who watch Aaron as well. And women for that matter, who, who watch Aaron, on you know tv like i want i want i want it to be relatable for all of us like i want all of us to be able to watch this and be like i can do that and so uh, was it hard to convince him that you know because it's a builder's show for the most part right it's about doing these crazy things and yet here's something a little more average i guess i'd say and granted not that 
building a rally car is <laughs> anything normal by any means, but um, it, it's not like some super souped up drag car and, and things like that. It is, you know, about building something that's more reliable than it is high performance. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard sell at all because again, you know, Aaron's objective with this show um, wasn't to be a build like his, the biggest thing he, he wanted to get away from was well, one TV and that didn't work, but two, you know, being a, <laughs> being like a, you know, fabricator, hot rod builder. He's like, I, I don't want to just be a hot rod builder. Like that's what people know him for. That's exactly. what, um, that's, that's who he is in the eyes of the people. But it's not how I know him as at all. Like I know him as, you know, my, my buddy who, you know, tinkers with stuff, but ultimately loves racing. And that's his number one passion. Um, and so he was really wanted to be less focused on the build. And I was like, I, which I think you should, I was like, I think you should show that you can do this reasonably, but no matter what, if we cut every corner of the build out, if we go as simple as possible, I mean, you know, this as well as anyone, Aaron, mm -hmm. it's, there will be drama because it's building a race car. And he's like, nope, totally hundred percent point taken. He's like, so what's what's what are you thinking i was like i think if you want the most like iconic affordable legit like what is an every man's rally car it's a naturally aspirated impreza and he's like dude i love those things let's do it so um it was so 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 far outside of the mold for aaron obviously right um, i mean it's like I, that must have been the, the the smallest car i think he's ever worked on <laughs> yeah totally uh, maybe i don't know he's he's he you get you get him going on story time i just we just drove back from Baja together, just the two of us in a car for 35 hours. And man, I get, got some stories now, but, um, it's like, you always think, you know, you know, somebody, and then you sit awake with them for 35 yes. hours on the road trip. <laughs> as Aaron calls it, yeah. As Aaron calls it windshield time. So yeah, we, we just, that was, we we're like, okay, let's do it. And, uh, and so I, you know, I was kind of thinking, I was like, Hey, if it's, if I'm not overstepping my bounds, it, you know, why don't we get why don't we get Bucky in on this thing to come come with us? Because you know Bucky and I are good buddies, and I uh, I knew that um, you know he was kind of between projects at the time, and I was like, hey, if he's if he's interested or available, would you? He's like, are you kidding me? What am I going to turn down Bucky Lassa coming and you know offering to you know help me help coach and help you know develop my talent and help me with this car? Like, uh, yeah. So you know. I called Bucky and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this deal there. And would you, you know, he's like, are you kidding? What, what does he want me to? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I'd be honored. I'm like, and that to me, that's, that's that test. Of, that's like a total testament to who these two dudes are. Is like, you know, Aaron could be like, well, you know, uh, yeah, let me run it by my production team and let me blah, blah, blah. And let's, you know, see creative wise, if uh, Bucky's gonna be the right fit. And, you know, Bucky could be like, oh, I'll run by my agent. You know, what are we talking here? What uh, my play? N never even, not a single time. Was there any talk of, you know, of a dollar or a social media metric or anything else? These two dudes were just so stoked because there are if if you can find two people who are more passionate about rallying, I would love to meet them because as uh, for for all the shit talking people did as Aaron kind of came into this thing is, oh, here comes fucking Hollywood Adam from Grease Monkey. He's going to come in here with his thinks he's going to rally now. It's like, I mean, he just, you know, he just smiled and I know that shit gets to him, but he just was like, nah, man, I'm, he's like, look, I, I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever gotten to be a part of. I'm super excited to come rallying and, you know, hopefully people I, see that I know, take it seriously. I, I got to meet him uh, first at Oregon trail. Um, yeah. I'm actually one of the organizers of that event uh, as well as the media stuff that I do. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I was actually really surprised. I mean, I couldn't have thought of him being more humble and 
wide-eyed and just wanting to absorb information. Um, he was flat out honest. I don't know shit about the sport and I'm trying to learn as quick as I can. Yeah. Um, which actually kind of, kind of brings me back to, um, you're you saying that he kind of came to you, wanted to do a rally thing. And how did the idea for him to doing a rally thing come about? Was it just because of Pike's beat peak being kind of similar to the ways rallies are run or was it, and his experience there, or was it maybe the, the guys coming to your school and learning some stuff? What made him really want to do a stage rally? I mean, I think, uh, I think, you know, you, you pull anybody who's in any category involved in motorsport with rare exception and, you know, they'll, they'll all probably tell you, oh man, you know, rallying's totally on my bucket list. And, and, um, uh, I was fortunate enough, uh, pretty much exactly a year ago, actually to, to have Daniel Ricardo out here. And I, I put Daniel Ricardo in a rally car, uh, for his first time. And I put him in a, a 2003 Honda Civic SI. It was whew, real, uh, real screamer. And, uh, he sits down and he goes, uh, yeah, man. So what do I do? And I was like, uh, I think you're probably pretty qualified to, for the most part, figure it out. But, um, you know, it's, uh, similar to, to what you normally drive. Just watch out. This one's it's got some power, you know, all of 114, probably, uh, wheel horsepower. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, man, I don't think you understand man. Like I've never driven a car with a roof on it. And I was like, oh yeah, huh? He's like, nah, man, only formula cars. Like I don't, I genuinely have no idea what to do in this thing. And, you know, and it's, he's like, but you know, everybody wants to drive a rally car, right? So it's like, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you by putting you in a civic, but, but, <laughs> but I mean, you know, that that's the same as Aaron. It's like, everybody wants to drive a rally car. Everybody wants to check it off the bucket list. And for Aaron, the whole point of shifting gears was like, he's like, look, discovery channel wants me to make a TV show and, uh, they want me to do car stuff. I want to go racing. If there's some opportunity for me to go racing, and if they want to make a TV show out of it and write me a paycheck, I'm in. So that's uh, awesome. Who would say no to that, right? <laughs> totally. I mean, if if you got all the details of what the, the what it ended up being like and what the guy went through, and if you had been in the the BTS of uh, of the show, you might not sign up for it. But yeah. uh, but not 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 because not not no ill will for on any side of it. It's just no, it's Hollywood stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, and and, and the guy just he puts himself into things. Anybody who saw his car, you know, who might be able to attest to like. He just applies himself to things. He is so so excited and so dedicated. He can't not. He can't not just like go bonsai on it. And uh, and that's what that's what made that's what you know built for lack of a better term his brand is is he's so I mean that's what his builds were always like. Even when he was trying to keep it simple and you know was on a timeline, it's like he can't not just do everything over the top and. Um, which is, of course, what ended up happening with the open light car. It's just like, what you, dude? You, it's like we were. He was telling me all the stuff he wants to do, and I, and the you know production teams talking about, whoa, this and that. Blah, blah. I was like, nope, stop. Everybody, pause. We're gonna get on a plane and we're gonna go to Oregon Trail Rally because Aaron, you need to see what an open light car looks like, and uh, production team, you guys need to see how a rally works because as of right now, you have zero percent chance of getting a single shot the way that you think you're gonna film this. And I can attest to. Um us working with the uh, discovery film crew production crew and thank god they came to oregon trail first because they had no clue oh zero zilch negative one um (laughs) and i told him i was like i I was like you guys are trying to compare this to king of hammers it's never gonna work i was like you yep I, i messaged warwick and i was like warwick help please for the love of all that's holy 
is there any way that you have two hours of time free to come sit with these guys and, and offer some consultation and some wisdom? If we have to pay for it, like whatever, please, I will, I will pay myself. Like just uh, please help. And he was like, Oh, of course, you know, we're being That's top five awesome. nicest people on the planet. Sure uh, he came out and sat and like, you know, he was like, Hey, here's some ways we can help. Like we can, you know, we can share some footage. I'll put some of my guys to help film. Like he and was, those are, are, are oh, amazing people. They really saints. are totally and their passion for, for helping, you know, promote, you know, rally as it is and whatnot. Yeah. I think they all see the value in this. Yeah. And it was, it, it worked really well. I mean, there was, there was a lot of like, I think both discovery and, and, uh, and launch control, you know, sort of did a little, little sharing and some, uh, footage trade and and some logistics help and and I I they were really you know I'm sure he would kind of he would kind of say oh no me I didn't do anything but he was really imperative to making that a success but it was like like Aaron you need to go you, Aaron you have to go we're gonna go to Oregon Trail you need to go do recce you need to like see a stage you need to see these cars and we show up and the first car he sees is uh, is Blake Lens and and um which is an awesome like that's the best livery ever. And Blake's one of the coolest dudes. And, oh yeah. Love Blake. Uh, like I, uh, I, I've probably spoken a total of, you know, I don't know, five minutes with the guy in my life and, and I miss him dearly. He's just right? like one of the best dude. He's a superstar man. And, and, uh, and Aaron was just like, totally like he, <laughs> he's like a five-year-old. Like we parked in the parking lot at, uh, at PIR and, like we're still like getting bags out and Aaron's underneath Blake's car halfway across the parking lot already. And, you know, it was like asking questions, poking around and, but he's like, Oh, okay. I get it. Maybe I'm overdoing it a little bit. I was like, yeah, let's dial it back, man. Like the whole point of an open light car is that it's in every man's car. Like you don't, you don't have to have a power distribution module and, you know, mil spec loom here and there and all this like crazy, super awesome stuff. I get it. Like you want to fabricate some stuff and you want it to be top spec car, but like, Let's find a middle ground that's going to get this thing done on time, on budget, and reliable. So, um, yeah, we did some recce, and and uh, he was starting to kind of get the language a little bit, and then apparently forgot all of that between the time that um, we we did that at uh, OTR and when he and Krista did some back here in Texas. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, no, I think he he forgot all of his homework. <laughs> But um, yeah, that going going to OTR totally. I mean, that was like that was totally what saved saved the show. So I get you know we, those that have seen the show, the first three episodes of uh, the latest uh, season, season two of uh, Shifting Gears, is all about the rally stuff. First day, you know, uh, uh, is our first show is mostly out there at the rally school. Actually, first two shows um, is really being out there at the rally school and the build. I do have a question though. Was it total bullshit that they messed up the cage that bad? Nope. Really? Nope. So who would have? Th- I mean, who so, doesn't think that you have to weld all the way around? <laughs> you know, the cage. <laughs> so I, you know, here's in in their defense, this is, and I, you know, it, yeah, it, it was like, uh, I was like, I we we had just landed from from OTR and we walked. Uh, you know, I, I was going to head back to Austin and he was like, I'm going to go pick up the car from Casey's. And I was like, oh, well, let's let's go. You know, I'll go with you. So we cruise over there and I was just like, oh, there was there was a lot of factors that played into that. Some of it was being in a hurry. Some of it was um, was some confusion. And, uh, you know, and and also, you know, like that's there's I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're just going to put it out there. I 
I we can we can go to a lot of a lot of cars that we see go through tech that like oh casually it's like as long as you can't you know quite see that area you know and like we see cars all the time that roll and crash and then as they get dismantled it's like you find junctions on tubes that didn't get welded all the way i'm not advocating i'm not making an excuse at all i was not even remotely not even remotely like kosher but like it's a thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is there are there are cars that this this happens regularly with and in their case they you, he's got a shop full of guys that have a huge amount of motorsport experience in a ton of different different disciplines. And like it or not, the term 360 weld comes up in tech in a lot of other kinds of racing because not always do you have to 360 weld certain tubes at certain junctions. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not, I mean, yes, according to the rule book, but like shit flies and shit is kosher. Um, and where that thing is, the only way to get those tubes welded all the way is removing a ton of a shit ton of panels off the outside of the car. And they did. And um, but for them, they were just like, you know, it was just kind of like uh, Aaron was at OTR, kind of got into this back spot, and he just screwed up. He just he just straight up like he was like, okay, cool, got it all done. And I asked him later, and he he was like, dude, he's like, honestly, there wasn't even a time that I was like. Oh yeah, man. I wonder. Do I need to? I should check with Aaron on this, or should we? Blah blah. blah. He's like, I got, I got as far as I could with the TIG torch. Went on to the next tube. Got everything done. Checked all the stuff. Went around. That was it. Sent it off to paint. Just never. He's like, I, I like, yeah. When I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't weld that all the way. But it's building a race car. You just get backed up against a wall, and you get you run out of time and and energy, and you just forget, and stuff yeah. slips through. And it's, and that's that's the point of a team. Is like this stuff. Love it or hate it, it's this is what happens at every level of 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 every different discipline of racing is people are people and like a mistake happens and it's up to the rest oh, of the sure. team to pick up the pieces and uh, you know fortunately for the narrative or for the for the TV show I I saw it and like I thought I was quiet enough that production missed it but um, I didn't mean to throw them under the bus but we uh, yeah we were just like oh and that was that was genuinely what you heard was that was me having to like, I was like, Bob, why don't you tell me? He's like, no, I think I'll let you do it. And I was like, cool. And we sat in the car and I was like, Hey man, you uh, might want to check some of those tubes. And um, yeah, I, uh, I was a little worried that the messenger was going to get killed. And now I got, I got a text from him the, the next afternoon of, of the unibody and like a thousand pieces. I mean, it was like completely dismantled. There was, mm -hmm. it was crazy. And uh yeah, they got it all done and got it buttoned back up, and um, but it was like, and, yeah, I was, and obviously the crew there is is is, is top notch. I mean, yeah. like those guys, those guys know know what they're doing. It just, um, yeah, it just it just kind of shocked me a little bit that that was, oh, that was totally. missed, but totally. um, you know, obviously they they were able to jump in and, and make it happen. Um, but you know, the, the other things that they do though that that was kind of funny in in the episode was, um, I guess maybe it was the second one where they, um misjudge the size of the suspension that they ordered or something like that and no there was it and some other stuff and yeah there there was some there was uh again this was in the 11th hours like hey we need gravel suspension and you know we called everyone in in, in north america and said here's what we need when can we get it and they're like well you know it'll be this much and you know may or may not make it in time and so we had to go with one of the only options that was readily available and so we uh we ordered uh we ordered strut bodies from one person and inserts from another we had them communicate so that we made sure that they were each sending the correct parts this was the only basically the only option that that i could find um and so it's like you guys you guys sort this out please communicate effectively i i like you know played middleman as much as i could and was like okay we're we on the same page 
you got the right inserts for the bodies that you're making. Yep. Awesome. Fantastic. And then the parts showed up and they were not correct. And so, um, yeah. So, uh, as for the 9,335th time that I'm aware of nameless jumped in and saved the day. So, <laughs> uh, good friends of ours up there, um, for, for sure. Um, I spent quite a quite a quite a bit of time with those guys, and uh, they're they're good people for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was, in fact, it's funny. You know, the first conversation I had with Aaron when he called me on this, I was like, "You and I should get in a plane and we should fly to, um, we should fly to Portland right now, and we should drive up and go see see the boys at Nameless and and talk rally cars. That's the first thing we should do." And he was like, "Okay, let's do it." And I reached out to them, and they were you know busy in the middle of a million things, and so it kind of just kind of just fell apart and then later as we were you know ramping up and as press releases start happening and stuff they were like wait what's happening and uh i was like can we please come to your shop for the love of all the toys like yeah totally i was like okay because the car's almost done and these guys are going to need some help and so um yeah they were they totally killed it like came through with all of the last few uh bits pieces and shop and help and everything so oh that is so cool you know, and again, it's it's a thing with the rally community, right? You know, we we want to help. Um, there's people that are always willing to jump in. Um, it is such a tough sport, yet at the same time, there's so many people willing to help to get it done and and get it out there. Yeah, and it's you know, and that's the part for me that's the hardest, and and about most forms of racing is like I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's just a a frankly it's like a big dick swing contest with a bunch of big egoed white men and it's like uh, i think that's that's most forms of racing and it's like god that is just i just can't i can't do it it's like i i as much as i love rallycross i've you know i've spotted for a handful of drivers and um and i've been involved in the sport you know a handful of different ways but it's like it's just it is it's there's so much of that still in, in, in that, you know, in those types of racing and in sports car racing and in all these other kinds of racing, there's so much to love, but it's like, gosh, this isn't very fun. And every time you go to a rally, you, you, you're like, Oh yeah, this is the, this is what I like. This is the kind of motorsport that I enjoy. It's like, there's so much diversity. That's like, you know, not only politically, but, but, uh, you know, socioeconomically and racially, and there's so many women involved in the sport, and you know, more all the time. It's like there, I there is. I don't think there's a form of motorsport that has more women involved than in rally. No, no, not even close. But by like no. like a huge margin. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's and it's awesome. It's so awesome, and it's you know we're I still still haven't uh, still nowhere near as many as as we'd like to have involved, of course, and you know we oh for sure we're always making a concerted effort to just like find cool women and get them uh well i was get gonna get involved. into talking about brianne corn who yeah you who co-drove with you and she's done some amazing shit in her career the brianne brianne's brianne's awesomeness transcends just her driving i mean she brianne is uh she and i aren't, aren't super close these days but she um she's definitely one of my all-time you know favorite people and and uh she and i've been through a lot together we've we've been friends since about oh, 2006 and um my the first race I ever did of any sort was in was in my rally car. Funny enough, before I'd gone rallying, I took it to an autocross, and she was there. I think it was her first autocross as well. And um, we met sort of in passing, and then there was a rally cross year or two later, and or three years later in Austin that we were putting together. And she came out, and we just became you know best buds. And she co-drove for me a couple of times. My her first rally was actually in my Type R. I, I lent to her for an event, and then she was. Uh, 
that was her place that we used to teach at in um back in 2014 so we spent our six months of 2014 teaching in her place and she instructed with me for a long time and she's really instrumental in in making this thing come off the ground and um awesome. she's yeah she's done a lot of cool stuff i have i have nothing but the yeah, utmost respect for her. awesome awesome so the the guys from uh you know from shifting gears decide on uh doing that car you know they, they get the build done you know we, again most of us have probably seen the episodes if you haven't uh you can watch uh, shifting gears on the discovery channel um although i haven't seen any new episodes it's kind of odd but um, those first three episodes from this season all focus on on the rally stuff. Um, I was going to ask you though, is what was it like for you working with a film crew? Because I I, I thought it was uh, interesting uh, for me seeing these guys around. They showed up uh, at Olympus, which which is the the final episode where Aaron competed, and I I saw this gigantic rider truck uh, show up, and I'm thinking the car is in the back of it because it's huge. And it's nothing but all their film gear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, holy shit. What are we getting into here? Um, obviously, they're well set up. Uh, they, they've got they got a budget to be able to do this kind of thing. Um, what was it like for you down there at uh, Rally Ready and being inundated with cameras in your face and, uh, you know, having to still be somewhat normal <laughs> with, with, with all this stuff around? Yeah, I, you know, it was um, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, initially, I I didn't really. I was kind of like, you know, yeah, okay, cool. Like I, you know, the, I'm. This was this was this was a really killer opportunity to do something fun with my friend, and to get to to have Bucky involved. Like we the the behind the scenes stuff off of our cell phones is significantly more absurd than anything that we'll ever see the light of day but it's like you know there's we, plenty of absurdity in the actual episodes mind oh, you <laughs> dude it's it's just like bucky and i can't be left alone um certainly not unsupervised like it we just we had so much fun but i think you know, bucky and i had more fun spectating you know those two events and just hanging out than than the rest of the team did because it was just like it's like just hanging out with all our buddies and it was a really really kick-ass time and you know we Aaron recognized as did the 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 crew early on that we had a really unique opportunity here that we that they they you know recognized alongside me which was like this is this sport is my whole life this is this has been everything since I was 15 years old this is the only thing I have you know lived for for uh, again, not to be hyperbolic, but it's like, that's, this is my, this is my thing. And, you know, so, so I want to see it, I want to see it represented in the right way. And the sport as a whole has never had a, the story told in a way, you know, a lot of the media that's out there, it's like brilliant media, uh, you know, like launch control, for example, it's brilliant. It's incredible. Sometimes there, there's a bit of a, a bit of like, assumed knowledge for people going into it though it's like you you have to kind of know a little bit at least to be the right viewership and i think launch control maybe maybe the exception to that it's you know you can kind of just pick it up anywhere but as a whole nobody's ever i don't at least i don't think really from point a to point b start to finish with with a a single character walked in and you know and told the story of of going rallying like this and so we really wanted to do it right unfortunately ultimately not there's no one person who has creative control so there's like you know a huge team comes together and then it all goes off to a an office in california and then we don't know what happens until it hits the air but um you know for me this was like 
I put a lot into this time and, and money and otherwise to, to help this thing happen um, for my buddy. And, and so when they showed up to film, you know, uh, I have nothing but, but exceptional things to say about Bill Martins and Chris Della Garza, who, uh, who were in charge of this whole thing. Um, they came in and, you know, first thing is, you know, Bill's like, well, I just want you to, you know, know, like, don't censor yourself. And that's what I was like, oh, yeah, oh, honey, that's, <laughs> that's not how this works at all. Um, I, I don't know if I'm capable of that. And so, you know, we, we each advocated really hard for what our positions were. Like, I told him what I needed for this to be a success for me. And Chris said, this is what I need as a DP. And Bill said, this is what I have to have out of it. And um, this is what the studio, you know, has to have. The production company has to have. This is what the network wants. And so, you know, and obviously... I, I knew well what Aaron wanted out of it. So, you know, it was, we just, we just clicked really well and we butt heads and we argued and we fought in the best way. And everybody ultimately had the same thing in mind. And that was, we just wanted to do right by, by rallying. And, uh, and so, you know, with the exception of a handful of compromises here and there, and a little bit of, you know, of like editing that we may have done differently. I think, I think that the end product did a did a, a pretty damn good job representing what it's like to go rallying as a as a noob, you know, especially again in a way that's that's digestible and understandable for for uh for a somebody new to the, to the sport. And so for me, I, it was one of the most it was one of the most exceptional things I got to do just because my you know my input was really valued and and um kind of like. Just I became the guy that everybody would call and be like, I don't know, just here to ask Dave. You know, it's like so I I had it was a lot more than just, you know, doing a little coaching with with Aaron. It was like, you know, I was mentoring with him and really working on his headspace because he was just total head case the whole time. Um, and working with the production team on like, nope, you guys, you got it all wrong. That's not how this works. Like this, you've got all these great ideas. None of them are gonna work in this environment, you know, bring it back down to reality and and um you know, I had to advocate with uh, comp- the production company. I had to like, I had to petition for the Oregon Trail trip, and you know, it was like I ended up, be, you know, producing this thing alongside these guys, and and wow. and it was it was really fun because Bill, you know, again, it's like same thing with Bucky and Aaron. It's like you know, Bill and Chris could have come into this thing and been like, uh, yeah, this is our job. You know, this is who we are. This is what we do. And instead, they immediately were like, hey. Anything you have, any any uh, any any input you have is valuable. And so, I was like, "Hey, cool. I don't want to overstep my bounds. You know, let me know." And they're like, "No, anything at all." And like, everybody was so open. There was no egos through the entire thing, and it was just a total joy to work with these guys. And so, it it was. We were all like, you know, Aaron. Not to spoil it too much, but at the end of the last episode, is very emotional, and um, that was he was not the exception. I mean, it was like we were all incredibly emotional because as anyone who has competed in a rally understands that sure you can have plenty of people who can roll their eyes and can say oh you know he was you know, he blah 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 you know he was th- he was third out of three cars you know he crashed he this and that blah, blah blah sure absolutely that's what i did in my first event that's that's i know tons of people that's that rally. that's their first event ultimately though as we all know to finish first first you must finish and more importantly the number one objective for aaron from day one i don't care what you know, was what was said on TV or what it was, how it was scripted or how it was structured. Like his goal was only to finish. And that finish came really hard earned. The guy was, was here at my place every single free second he had taking this crazy seriously on the phone with me, you know, five days a week talking about, 
about driving, about the car, calling everybody he could. I mean, he took it so seriously. He put every fiber of himself into this thing. And it so it really was a, a foreign way of driving for him, wasn't it? Oh, it still is. He's he's still <laughs> he's uh he's got a long way to go. I mean, it, it, he admits readily. It's like, you know, we we barely barely cracked the egg. We haven't even come close to making an omelet. So, um, he's uh, you know, he got in the time he could, and and we we did so much work with him. And I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm so proud of him for for uh, for seeing it through and for despite being just a total head case and being completely rattled the whole time. You know, he he uh, managed to get it moving again when when things got rough. And um, well, yeah, when something's yeah. that foreign, you know, and, and obviously when especially when when you're in front of you know a, a tv audience like that you don't want to look like a complete idiot right and so i can oh, totally. totally imagine it getting to your head and you know yeah you don't want to finish last you want to be at least somewhat competitive but uh, you know he definitely had his challenges um th- throughout the event um yeah. I, I was going to say that you know for me um that third episode the one where it actually showed them running um olympus is one of the great uh, productions of rally I've ever seen as far as just kind of like you're saying, just getting the knowledge out there to the people. Some of it's really kind of fast paced and you have to rewind it a couple times on a DVR or whatever to, to absorb how transits work and all that stuff for, for those that don't aren't in the community and understand it. Totally. But they did a, a fantastic job. The imagery is great. The emotions are great. Um, the the crew worked hard. Heck, um, what was also awesome is to see that um, the uh, some of the ArcLight crew were help, helping out one of the regional guys who had a suspension. Uh, Dave Clark totally was totally destroyed on the back of his. Uh, um, it was a big log that <laughs> ended up in the in the and, and destroyed the, his rear suspension in his um, uh, Mercure. Um, or oh, wait, no Ford. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sponsor yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and the guys, you know, we got all this equipment here, you know, bring out the welder and the torches, you know, and, and try oh, totally. to get him going again. And just the crew was just awesome. And I, again, I, I thought it portrayed Rally really well. So that's no, awesome I... that you were a part of that and, and helped helped in portraying it the right way. Um, because a lot of us had reservations of, we really want this to go well. Please totally. don't fuck it up. <laughs> oh, dude, I—I I mean, that was that was that was like you're you, and that that was the hardest thing is you know coming into it is like you know I I've I've been in my little my little corner uh, of the country doing my thing like I said either on a bobcat or a tractor or whatever with my headphones and listen to audiobooks for the past few years and so I don't I don't you know I, there's a lot of people who are like who is this guy and what is this rally school and what huh and. uh and, which I don't, I don't take any offense to it, but it's like, you know, I, I came in, there's a lot of people kind of going, oh, okay, you know, and, and I was like very clear. Everyone was like, oh, so do you guys have any adults or is it just all you got, you know? And, um, and I was kind of like, yeah, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a little bit. And as folks kind of got to be like, oh, oh, okay, this, there's somebody here who knows something about rallying. I was like, look, I promise you, just, just trust me, everybody here, we're all on the same team. And, um, and like, I mean, you were obviously a part of that and got to, to meet and see them. And, and, uh, it was, it was so, so much fun to work with them. And it was so, so much fun because everybody on production, everybody on the race team, everybody at the rally was, was 
it's like blank check to make it happen oh you know worth of their time and resources and energy and and the guys all of aaron's crew they were so stoked they had so much fun at the rally because like you said it's like you know who doesn't who who on earth wouldn't want to help dave clark fix his car it's like you know it's like one it's fun to help help people fix their cars Two, dave clark is is another one of those people it's like if he's you're so cool he's so yeah, much you, fun yeah, if you hate Dave Clark, I don't know what to say. You're a broken individual. And, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, he's like there's 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 not a not a bad bone in his body, and and they they were just all the guys were just they were just stoked the whole time. They're like, this is awesome. Like, why aren't why don't we do more rallies? And I'm like, because none of us have any money. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. But <laughs> the um yeah, no, it was cool. The the, the production side was awesome. The uh, getting to be up there, you know, it's, for me, I've obviously it's been on my list for ten years to come up and and run those events, and uh, so I I didn't get to drive, but um, still, just getting to be there and and see the uh, the other, you know, one of the other rally communities, it's it was it was really awesome. Uh, you know, the big moment for me that this was a big success was literally my mom called me because uh, I knew that I had a small bit, you know, where I'm doing the, you know, the podium interview thing yeah. at the end, and uh, and my mom says. That was the coolest show. I've, and she doesn't watch car shows. I yeah. mean, this, this is my mom we're talking yeah, about yeah. here. <laughs> um, and and she thought it was like the coolest thing. She had no idea really what all the stuff I was doing. Um, you know, she'd seen some pictures here awesome. and there, but awesome. really had no idea. And suddenly she understood. Oh, that's, that dude, that's... right there, that hit home. I'm like, yeah, they got it right. Oh, that makes me so happy. I, You know, it's like I... I'm ultimately, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a slightly older, more jaded version of the, you know, 16 year old kid sitting there watching power shard videos going, I want that to be me. And, and I, you know, I, I just, I just want, that's all, it's all that we wanted. Like, I just want there to be some kid to, I want there to be some, you know, uh, Nebraska Dave, who's 16, who's, <laughs> you know, sitting in his house who like played, you know, Gran Turismo sport or, you know, dirt rally or whatever. And is like, Oh, this is, I want to do this. And like, this thing comes on and I want these, th- I wanted those episodes to be his, you know, Pat Richard video. I wanted those to be the thing that lit the fire and he watched them over and over and over. And like, he's planning and I wanted it to be something where, you know, he'd feel, feel confident enough now because one of the biggest regrets I have is like, I could have just picked up the phone and called Tim O'Neill. I could have just, you know, picked up the phone and called Vermont sports car and been like, Hey, can I just come work there for the summer and sweep floors? You know, like I just didn't have the nerve to do that when I was, when I was a kid. And instead I went about it all the hard way. And, you know, and that's what we do now here is like, our goal is to sell people our mistakes. So it's like people come to the rally school to learn. Yes. But mostly what they're doing is they're buying our mistakes. They're just, they, every time they get to a fork <laughs> in the road, you know, it's, when they're here and they're in the car, every time they get to the fork in the road, we explain what to do so they don't make the wrong choices. Like we give them the we give them the roadmap to Oz. You know, there's no no flying monkeys, there's no no wicked witches, just straight to Oz, and they don't have to make all these mistakes. And and that's what I love. I love so much about what we get to do. And and I wanted the show to be a catalyst for somebody to to watch that and go, man, and you know, reach out to us and and us help them put it in place. You know, I I as much as I you know. I love all of our clients. I, my favorite is when a kid like me comes along who, who is like, I don't have any money. I don't know what to do. I just love rally. What do I do? And it's, I, it's the same thing every time I tell them the same thing. I'm like, I will pay you $15 an hour in credit. If you come here and you work and you do whatever needs to be done around here, I'll pay you $15 an hour in credit towards whatever class you want. You save up your hours. Besides like, I'm tired of driving that tractor. I, no way. That's the only <laughs> thing I'll never get tired of. The tractor. Oh, okay. 
that's the thing. I, I that's my biggest problem is like I should be in here, you know, doing a podcast. I should be in here, you know, we're doing our marketing and checking our AdWords and running the books and all this other stuff. But it's like, man, I just really enjoy sci-fi audiobooks and moving dirt around. So I, uh, <laughs> that's all good, man. I just, right. just like to sit out on the tractor. But but all the rest of this crap, yeah, somebody else come do it. So. You know, I just want to, I want to be able to provide that opportunity to any kid who's willing to work for it. You know, it's like anybody who, any kid who, who will put in the hours, like I, there's nobody who cannot take a rally school with me. You can earn a three day rally school if you're willing to, you know, come change tires and, and, uh, wash cars and, you know, shit, change oil and learn how to wrench on stuff and anything you want to learn, like we'll teach it. Um, and that's, that's what we hoped the show would would convey so man i'm really i'm really excited that that's uh that's awesome it means a how's, lot that's, i mean how's no. it been uh you know uh, fruitful for you guys have you have you gotten some good uh feedback and people noticing you know who you are yeah i mean it's the internet so we've gotten all kinds of feedback but um, <laughs> the uh you know the armchair quarterbacks they never sleep but uh no i mean i actually don't i really don't think we've at least not to my face had any you know uh nasty criticism or feedback we've it's been it's been awesome we we've had a ton of people who've called just to you know just to be like oh man i saw your show and i was like what does it cost and this and that and you know they're talking and then all of a sudden they'll have the moment where they're like wait are you the guy from the thing i'm like yeah i'm the i'm the dumb idiot with the big cowboy hat and they're like they're like oh man man, I saw you on the TV. I'm like, you sure did. That's, that is in fact where you have seen me. And, but it's, uh, you know, and that's, that's the same way Aaron is. It's like everywhere we go, people are like, is that you? And he's like, yeah, we, we, oh man, this is, this is my favorite. We, uh, he was out here just, just like, you know, us and some buddies a, uh, a few months ago or, we're goofing off playing with some trucks and UTVs and stuff. And we're like covered in mud. And, uh, we go to the local steakhouse down the road and we walk in and it was like, it was like, you know, being the, uh, being the white guys walking into the Tejano bar. Like we walk in, it's like the music stops basically. And everybody turns and looks and there's a bunch <laughs> of people and they're like, is that Adam freaking Kaufman right now? Are you kidding me, dude? And we're like, Oh, I'm like, crap. I, of course, like, and so we sit down and, and he's he's like Aaron. And he's like, yeah. Well, what's going on, man? He's like, what are you doing in my town, dude? He's like, oh, I'm just trying to have some dinner, actually. And he's like, man, that's crazy, dude. Big fan. I'll let you eat, man. Big fan. A guy walks over and he's like, dude, are you for real right now? Are you Aaron Kaufman? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's me, man. I'm. Yep. He's like, are you for real right now? He's like, yep. And he turns to me. He's like, is he for real right now? Like, yeah, yeah, man. No, it's. Uh, he's and Aaron pulls his ID out. He's like, there you go, man. Hands him his driver's license. Guy looks at it like a cop. Looks back at Aaron. Looks looks at our buddy Jared. Goes, are you for real right now? We're all like, yeah, man. We're we're all for real. He's like, what are you doing? Well, we're like, really hungry. <laughs> exactly. We're like, exactly. Said. We're like, we're just trying to get some dinner, dude. And he goes, oh, dude, I got you covered, man. This guy's like way out of his mind. Walks to another table. Walks back over. Sets down a styrofoam to go box and opens it. There's a half-eaten hamburger and some soggy French fries. He's like, dude, I got you guys covered. And we're like, oh, you know, I, you know, buddy, I think we're, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna probably order our own. Um, but thank you. He's like, oh, dude, you sure? We're like, you know, I'm, I'm positive. In fact, he's like, oh, are you for real, right now. <laughs> so we, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make a shirt just with an outline of Aaron's face that says, "Are you for real, right now?" <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, one one thing I wanted to touch on, and and, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier in passing, is uh, the whole UTV thing, because you recently uh, ended up rallying the Gorman Ridge Rally um, in a Yamaha YXZ side by side. Yeah. And I wanted to get your thoughts because it's been kind of this ongoing thing in the rally community of these types of uh, vehicles running on rally stages and. 
whether they should be considered equal to cars um should be there should they be their own separate thing where they can't be on an overall podium i you know because they're not a car so they still can't technically transit in the same way thoughts opinions Oh man, opinions! Don't get me started on opinions. I'm an opinionated son of a bitch. I was recently told. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, I you know, I look. I think I think that uh, first off, I've had I've I bought three Yamaha YXZs uh, in 2017 because it was I I very reluctantly I I made fun of golf carts forever and we were like oh man these fucking things are terrible when you know the Razor came out we we're you know big eye roll and I have a lot of friends who who are in desert racing, which I'm, I'm now racing as well. But, uh, you know, we used to watch, you know, the rhinos and the razors come to desert races and it was just like, God, who in the hell would want to go race a golf cart out here? And then the razor got a little quicker and then there was a turbo model. And then the Yamaha came out with a clutch pedal and a six speed sequential manual. And I was like, Oh crap. All right. Well, you might want to check these things out. They look kind of dope. And you know, they still kind of look like a squash cicada or a praying mantis with, you right? know, on a, on a short bus, but it's the, uh, they praying you know, mantis on a short bus. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's, I think that's got to be the quote of the evening right there. <laughs> that, that might not be my uh, might not be the kindest or most PC thing I could say, but um, they, you know, it's like not wrong. It's okay. They're, oh, they're rough, man. They're just rough. And and then you start putting some, you know, Reese Millen makes fenders for the Yamaha, and, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, that's a little cooler. And then you pull some ride height out, you put some wheels in the cage on it. You're like, hey, that kind of looks like a race car. But here's the bottom line. I you know, you get a bunch of old fogies who, you know, wear denim jackets and uh, are named John Van Lanningham and, you know, and they want to... I think everybody should drive a Volvo, right? <laughs> Good news is John Van Lanningham's 56K is probably down right now, so he, there's no way he'll actually hear this. But, uh, you know, the, um, the, the like, there's all these old fogies on the internet. Wow, that's just... It's like, dude, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm sorry. Everything evolves and everything changes. I personally believe, having been rallying for 15 years now, it's like I I personally believe the sport is the sport is 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 going to have to evolve in a major way because I can't see the 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 increasing entry fee costs and and the lack of the increasing difficulty of procuring uh, road closure permits and and being able to permit these events. It's that's not going to get any easier. Closed event rallies needs to be something that people take very seriously. I know uh, the Van Ways, you know, probably their place for Rally Wyoming last year. Don't know anything about it, but Dylan and I have talked extensively on this subject, um, especially since, you know, he's run JWRC and then he came back here and was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of the show. We've talked to Dylan many times. Yeah. It's like, you know, he came out here and, and, you know, was running on our stuff and he was like, oh my God, you have like WRC stages at your place. And I was like, oh, really? That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said. He's like, yeah, they're like sketchy and technical. And like, he's like, it was like being in six different WRC events on a two mile lap of your place. And so he and I, you know, I, I love Dylan. Dylan's first event was the only event I ever overalled in. I don't know what year that was, but you, you probably know better than I do. Um, he and I got to talking about this and it's like closed event rallies are, are, a, a serious thing we need to talk about. And I also think that like, we also have to address the fact that what's the next GC because I, the GD is the GD is going to be disappearing just as fast as the GCs are now disappearing. And, you know, and not to mention the, you know, bless your heart, JVL. I know you're a well-intentioned um, borderline sociopathic, misinformed, barely functioning, uh, semi-lucid human, but it's like 
there's Volvo is not a practical solution. There's I don't care what you have to say about Volvos. There's not enough of them. There's not enough of any one rally car, I think, to keep the sport sustainable. And also, it's not accessible. Buying a crappy clunker and and finding a shop to put a cage at like the threshold of entry. It's like it's like a friggin' Rube Goldberg invention just to get a rally car built because you have to get on the internet and talk to you have to sift through a bunch of of nonsensical weird comments that you don't understand. And then uh, okay, I'll stop picking on JVL now. <laughs> and and like you you know it's like you have to go through all these. You have to like figure out which Facebook group it is and go in there and ask questions and people get mad at you because the question's already been asked and and so to just to be able to build a rally rally car it's so confusing and it's so much work versus you know there are so many other forms of racing that it's it's so much simpler and so much more accessible so you know we we're doing our sport a disservice by by taking this massive opportunity this insane market the sport utv market is staggering if you haven't seen the numbers for it's the, exploded for, it's i mean it, it was nothing five years ago totally yeah and, and it's, now it's 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 huge they've got their own I mean, they, they pretty much have their own events or at least own classes, like uh, oh, yeah. especially with the short course stuff. And it's just, I mean, it is massive. Best in the Desert runs separate UTV events from their truck and their, their you know, car and truck events now because it's like, it, it, it's a stagger. Look at the Baja 1000 entry list in 2012 and look at it in 2018 and look at the UTV numbers. It's insane. But the reason why, and I can tell you, I own three of the Yamahas. We just recently bought four of the Textron Wildcats to go with that. Plus, we have a built Razor here and a whole bunch of others that kind of come and go. It's like, this is a race car that you can buy with a warranty that you can insure with total coverage and you can the day you buy it you can take it off sweet jumps like it's it is it is a it is a total solution race car that you can go run gorman you can go the next day you can just go cruise some trails with your buddies you can go rock crawling with your your buddies in the jeep club you can uh enter a best in the desert event. You can take it down to Baja. We, we pre-run the Baja 1000 every year in UTVs and then we race it in a trophy truck. And, uh, this year we bought these new Textrons. We were going 75 miles an hour comfortably in our Textron pre-running. We switch over to our, you know, $300,000 geyser uh, spec trophy truck to race. The thing's only 10 miles an hour faster for most of the course. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a $20,000 golf cart or a, you know, quarter million dollar, uh, truck. And it's, you know, 20 30 percent difference in speed it's just like same thing with the rally cars it's you know i you can as you can see in my ewrc results snowdrift 2010 and then no rallies until uh gorman 2017 and uh, you know so i'm not saying gorman was the the pinnacle of of rally talent at the time but we had a, a soggy sad tired old yamaha out there with two inches of toe in because apparently we don't know how to check our alignment um <laughs> I'm not going to say any names here for people that don't any, no longer work for me. But we, um, you know, I mean, the thing we just went to, we we're just like, we're just going to go have fun. We ran the whole thing in two wheel drive with one of my other instructors there as well, also in a Yamaha. It was just basically the two of us playing. And next thing you know, we're like, oh, we were third overall. And, you know, that that was just like a total, total cruise. And uh, that car wasn't set up for rallying. It was, it was no, no performance modifications whatsoever, just safety stuff. And, um, we put a cage, we put door bars, we put OMP seats with head restraints and window nets and harnesses and an intercom and, and a light bar. And like, that was it. So, you know, I, I look at, again, I look at, you know, Nebraska Dave or Iowa Dave or, um, you know, Oklahoma, Oklahoma Sally or whoever's getting into rallying right now. And, uh, and I think of what are the options I push people towards UTVs a lot because 
as much as I love rallying and as much as my heart will always be in rallying and, and as you know, you mentioned earlier, it's like the thing that's so special about rally is this right now. It's that, you know, 1% of rallying is driving on stages and 99% of it is the love and the community and the camaraderie that is unparalleled in any other sport, motorsport or otherwise. Um, and so, you know, while my heart is, will never ever be away from that. And I, we will always be pushing and trying to grow the sport. It's like, ultimately, the only way that I think we can do that is if we look practically at what the future is. And when you present me with a $20,000 machine that can be mid-engine rear-wheel drive or four-wheel drive with massive suspension travel and you know an ex- exceptional power-to-weight ratio that I know that when I finish an event, I'm going to pressure wash it and change the oil, it's, like, it's pretty hard to argue with. And um, I agree. But so I'm going to throw in there, but should it be on the same level playing field with the cars? So I actually, for, for as opinionated as I am, I actually really don't, I don't really care. Like I, whatever, Fair point. Fair give point. it, give it its own event or, or, or let it in to the, with the cars. If you, if you're getting, if you're getting beat by a golf cart in your Evo or your STI with, you know, active center diffs and all this fancy stuff, and you're butthurt about it, and so you—that's not fair. I spent a lot of money on my. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you, you got <laughs> you got smoked by a golf cart, dude. Maybe you know. Go well, back to drawing there is some weight but, and suspension travel differences, obviously, but yeah. Yes, but until you've driven a UTV in anger through a corner and you feel like you're you're on a jet ski because they <laughs> they are they are they are Can not comfortable. Oh man, so here's the thing about suspension travel: it's a double-edged sword. So, you know, you can. I'm, again, you, the short course, you know, guys have long since made UTVs work well and are fast through corners, and um, we can make them work. But uh, you know, this there's a lot there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks who haven't been in UTVs who are butthurt because they are rally purists and they know what rallying is, and they and they they don't like the fact that there's there's something different, and nobody likes change initially. But look, I I just don't think I don't think the sports I don't think the sports uh is going to survive without it and this is what happens in everything like this is this is how the world works like this is things evolve things change this this is to me this is this is what this is what rallying is going to become and i've had a lot of people i mean aaron's a great example aaron we were we were like it was like almost a almost a yelling match arguing about utvs uh one of the first nights we were filming the show actually we were up till you know, three o'clock in the morning, much like this, just <laughs> me and him and Bucky sitting around a campfire and Bucky drinking gluten-free beer and making fun of us. And Aaron and I arguing about golf carts and wait, wait, wait. gluten-free beer. Yeah, really? yeah. Have you seen what Bucky can do on a skateboard at age 45? Yeah, fine. Gluten-free, I, don't, really? I don't, dude, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what he's <laughs> himself there. I'll give it to him. Oh, come on. It's the California fad. Dude, I, whatever whatever you want to call it, I don't care. It's working for him because I saw an Instagram video earlier that made my back hurt. Like just watching, right, right, right. And I'm no, thirty, no. so I like Bucky. He's fun. I, yeah. I, it's just fun to give him shit. Oh, I should join the club, man. So, <laughs> but you know, it's like my my take on it is I'm a driver. Like I, a car to me is a you know it's a hammer. It's like I I I appreciate a good hammer. I you know I can appreciate the craft, and I certainly like a hammer that can hit a nail well. But ultimately, it's like I'm not interested in blacksmithing a hammer. People are always floored when I tell them I despise working on cars. Like I don't, I don't like building cars. I'm not a fabricator or a race car builder. I'm a driver. And so, you know, all well, the other that was things. like what Loeb was saying, right? 
you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was just saying that, you know, your, your job's harder. you got to be the driving <laughs> the truck. you got to work on the car. you got to do all this stuff. Yeah, totally. And it's, and, you know, but it's, but it's like, I, so I look at it as, you know, what, 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 how do we get people into cars? And a UTV is a, is a really, really, or side-by-side or golf cart is what Aaron and I prefer to call it. It's like, I, you know, that is the, the easiest, uh, quickest entry into something that, that, you know, can, can be pretty damn competitive and for that matter and i understand this debate for sure but can also be safe aaron's argument is he's you know he's a built not bought kind of guy he's like you know i think people got to earn it blah, blah blah and i was like dude you're in the 50s man this isn't this isn't the 50s where you know a formula one you can like build a car in your shed and go enter you know an f1 race with it. like that's not where we are now this is like this is not it's just not the same era so well i understand the appeal and i have i dude i have the utmost respect for people who who want to turn every single nut and bolt on their car. I, that's not everybody. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want an option that's going to provide more seat time and also more opportunity outside of just rallying. You know, it's like Stefan Verdier and David Sturks and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, as much as we love rallying, it's also really nice to not have to work on your car at the end of the event. Or in the case of Gorman, you know, I was running the thing in two wheel drive and like just, was like, I don't know, maybe I can be flat through this corner. Wrong. Couldn't be flat through that corner. Ran it wide and smacked the smacked the wheel onto a you know a big bank. And had it been a rally car, I would have, you know, folded my quarter panel in, bent some suspension, and db the wheel, but had bead locks on a golf cart, so it uh it didn't care. Like, you know, the plastic whacked into a you know dirt wall. I went up on two wheels, came back down and kept going. And uh I had an off later in the day and like got stuck on a rock, put it in four wheel drive, backed it up, put it back in two wheel drive and kept going. So you know, I, I think the merits there are tremendous. Um, and so, you know, for me, we, we haven't talked about it much. Uh, we haven't really announced it particularly publicly. It's on my website, but, um, we're teaching the the first UTV rally school, uh, this winter and, and into the spring. And, um, we're offering a, a bunch of different platforms, a ton of different cars. And for the first time you can come learn, uh, in the same vehicle, you know, we do rear wheel drive, you do all wheel drive, we go off jumps, we basically, it's like rally raid, you know, it's like Dakar style rally, we'll teach you everything from, you know, understanding the the dynamics of, of, uh, of you know, jumping the car and, and sliding and, and we get to use parts of our facility that we don't normally get to use for our, our rally classes with these things. Um, and it's, it's just an ever, another level. I think it's, it's definitely, in my opinion, the, um, the evolution and the, the future of the sport. Are you using the, um, uh, the, the typical off-road tire on those um, UTVs, or um, as we noticed with um, when Brandon Semenuk was at um, uh, Idaho Rally, he actually was using a rally tire uh, because he felt that the the predictability of how the tire worked um, on on the stages actually was better. Um, when, when you're training these folks on these, are you using actually a rally tire or are you using actually the off-road tire? So uh, this has been a, a, a long-standing debate in in the UTV uh, world, and there's more and more tires are coming out so fast for these things. Uh, it's there's a lot more options, but it that's gotcha. been something that people have talked a lot about. The the big problem with the rally tires has been they're so friggin' heavy. Um, these you know like you're saying earlier the you know power to weight ratio on these things is is really awesome but but there's not a lot of power and so when you add a lot of especially unsprung you know rotating mass like that it's like mm -hmm. it's uh it makes a big difference and it wears through hubs and stuff a lot quicker so the a lot of people have tried the rally tire i haven't seen a lot of people stick with it um hmm. i i haven't actually run these things on on rally tires at all funny enough so we we've got some 14 inch rally tires on order that we're going to 
play around with on these things a bit. But um, we've been fortunate enough to have a really strong partnership with BF Goodrich, and so we've been running their their new KM3 um, UTV tire on these, uh, which is just like a, you know, I it's it's we we run a ton of different tires, and there's a lot of a lot of different offerings out there, and it's I can imagine you go through quite a few being a rally school. So yeah, well, and what's funny enough, and this genuinely isn't a BFG ad, like you know, I didn't realize until we partnered with them, but every tire they make is made in the U.S. and um, that was a, that was a, a huge, huge benefit, especially now with tariffs and things, but the, the sidewall thickness on a BFG street tire versus a lot of, cause we run mostly just road car tires for a lot of what we do at the school. Um, and we'll run rally tires on some of the, you know, more advanced stuff, but, um, I like people, people like to slide and the less grip you have, you do that. So yeah, we run high pressures and, and street tires and we, we started running BFG street tires and we're like, well, these grip too much. So, um, but it's uh, yeah, we've the we've started using a lot less tires, and same on the UTV. Run into the switching to the KM3, like they have a much stiffer sidewall, like a rally tire, and that's um, that's a lot, a lot more. But for us, you know, uh, I man, I I still I've been doing this for two years in the UTVs, but I'm still a total noob in terms of, you know, there's folks out there that that are racing full time and and trying a million different things, and so I we we defer to them on a lot of that stuff, and it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting to think about being able to take a car and go run, you know, I mean, you, you could take a car and run Baja 1000 Pikes Peak and a rally with the same car, you know, and that could be a Razor or a Textron or whatever. And, and, and you can, you can fit that on a, you know, a 14 inch trailer and tow it with your Forester. It's like, you know, a 14 foot trailer, I should say, and tow it with your, your Forester. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a convert. I made fun of him for a long time and I'm, I'm like the world's biggest UTV advocate now. I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and and I'm excited for more people to to get to check them out. So if there's any <clears throat> rally folks out there um, who are you know thinking about UTVs or interested in them or curious about it, give me a call and come come down to our place and uh, and um, yeah, let's 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 play with uh, let's play with some of these things. So. Well, and uh, you mentioned Textron and their Cat series, and um, actually, interestingly, uh, Air Ray, uh, what I recall from last year. Uh, or the 2018 season, and I'm guessing going forward, has a partnership with them. And yeah. uh, they're looking to uh, help promote in those events that at least legally can allow um, UTVs to run. Um, there's, uh, I, I don't know if it's a contingency program, I think there's something that they're going to be trying to do um, to help out uh, those that are wanting to get into the UTV uh, space. But I know ARA is definitely working towards uh, expanding that a little bit. Uh, as you said, it's, uh, uh, you know, the cost of entry, at least to get into it. Um, not all events can do it, or they'll ha- maybe have limited stages they can run because of legalities from a uh, uh, transits and yeah. you know, laws in different states uh, for being on public roads. But um, it, it definitely gets people out there and uh you know again a more more affordable way to get the experience yeah and certainly you know a lot of people go oh man but there's they start 20 grand blah blah, blah. my used rally car only car. it's like hey I, to- I totally get it but you you have to remember you're you're talking about a car that can you're talking about like a you know an open class spec car for you know a fraction of what it would cost to build uh anything i don't sp maybe but <laughs> Well, and, and also throw out there that as, as we move forward, one of the challenges that I've been seeing more and more is uh, the technology where we're taking the driver out of the vehicle and yep. it's more computers controlling things. Um, 
a perfect example is the issues that uh, Team O'Neill's had in, in when they were developing their uh, uh, Focus RS rally car, yeah. um, making the only ones that were in existence. Um, and they had to get special permission and an engineer from Ford out there to uh, to change the chip, um, the programming, because otherwise you're not allowed. Basically, you, you, until they get somebody that can reprogram the whole damn thing on their own, um, after I think it was like 12 minutes of basically sliding sideways, the car would go into limp mode, and it's just built into the car to automatically. Like, nope, you're, you're fucking around too much. Um, no thanks. And it goes into like front wheel drive, and that, that's a huge issue with not just that car, but all modern cars are moving towards this. And so, if we want to still have um, a, a sport where there's at least some sort of new vehicles being introduced, this is another option. Well, and and this, this what I was you know kind of alluding to earlier is like, what's the next GC? What's the next plat? There's no next platform for rally cars because they're all that. Not to mention, you know, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole of like, I the future of the automotive industry isn't is is electric autonomous and it's also rideshare. We aren't we we will we are probably the last generations that will own vehicles. This is the common thing is everybody gets upset and angry and blah it's like, "Hey, I get it. I'm not I'm not whether I'm for it against it or ambivalent to it. The bottom line is like this is most likely the what we're going to see. Again, this is even Aaron and I argue about this constantly and I I don't I don't claim to know, you know, all the answers by any means, but it's very likely that I mean, look at what's already happening with, like you just said, with Ford and John Deere specifically, and a lot of manufacturers are advocating for that. You know, you don't own like they don't want you to own your vehicles anymore. Like everybody right. wants you to lease because nobody wants you to own anything. The less crap you own, you know, the better for for uh, you know a lot of these the frankly corporate interests. Not to get you know political about it, but it's like that's right. that's where things are moving. And so, not to mention, nothing's being there's nothing that's being manufactured purely for the joy of driving or for recreation. And the there's there's nothing on a Yamaha YX or a Wildcat XX or a Razor or a Can Am um, that is anything other than pure joy and and pure driving recreation. And so yeah, I, I think what, what's one of those ends of an era. And, and one thing that I I really really respect about. Um, um, Akio Toyota, um, who's been, you know, helping their WRC team, you know, get, get going. Mm -hmm. He seems to be one of the last of the CEOs that has a passion for cars and a passion for racing. Yeah. These days, most all, uh, you know, motor companies, it's a board of directors and they're looking at the quarterly earnings report. They could care less about the joy of driving. No, nothing, nothing matters other than shareholders. That's the only thing on our entire, everything that we do as a culture is driven by shareholders and that's it. And if, if shareholders, nothing matters other than the shareholders and not employees, not the health and well-being of your company, not the environment, not any, nothing but shareholders. Well, we are and, really going down this black hole. Hey we? man, I, you know, <laughs> you can, you can cut what you want, keep what you want, but it's like, but it's true. And, and it, and, and I, I do think it's relevant though, because it's like, this is, this is, you know, everybody everybody wants to like passionately defend their hobbies and their passions you know it's like whether we start talking about firearms or rallying or whatever and uh good or bad it's like everybody has their their defense for their passions and i agree with a lot of the those people on on a lot of the you know their their fundamental you know argument against uh the the dissolution or or evolution or devolution of of the way we engage with, you know, certain products in our environment. And, and I think this is just another example of that. It's like, this is, well, I, I, you know, 
I don't, I'm not here to be a doomsdayer, a naysayer, you know, as, as Mike Halley likes to say, oh, people have been saying it's the end of rally for 30 something years. And it's like, right. And so if you're telling me for 30 years, people have been predicting that this sport is in trouble just because it hasn't happened yet. doesn't mean it won't. And, and, and I, you know, that the writing could be on the wall and I, I don't think it is. I'm not, again, I, I, I think we have probably the strongest, you know, season ahead of us and that we've seen in a really long time in rallying. And I am, I couldn't be more excited to get back in a car this year um, or a golf car for that matter. But, you know, I, I, I do think that at some point we, we got to be ahead of the curve and make the shift. And for us, especially, it's like, look, you know, if we go back to the rally school, I think that, that uh, Tim has a fantastic program. I, I, you know, I trained at Tim O'Neill at, at Tim O'Neill, I should say, in, in uh, 2007 and, um, Wyatt is still one of my dearest friends and I was just emailing with those guys today. They're, they're, uh, Dave Wallingford's going to be back in his R5 car here in, uh, in a few weeks. Um, I'm so excited to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I probably just spilled the beans a little bit, but you know, sorry, Dave, because they're, 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 they're good people. And, and I, I love, I love the guys at O'Neill and, you know, I, I'm not fortunate enough to know a lot of the folks at Dirtfish other than a few friends of mine have instructed there, but I know, uh, I know that, you know, Steve, uh, Steve and James are, are two of the nicest people who have nothing but the you know best intention for the sport and, and have worked tirelessly for a long time to, to help grow it. And so, I, you know, they, they have amazing programs. We have our own program here. We've been, I've been fortunate enough to live a pretty absurdly surreal life for the past six years, teaching people to do this and traveling to WRC events and Pikes Peak and, you know, places all over the world. And, uh, so, <clears throat> you know, I think our niche is, is really UTVs moving forward. That's, that's the place that we really want to build our, build our niche and, and build our brand. And so I've, I've worked really hard for the past two years to position ourselves to be in a, in a place where we're the place to go if, if you want to do that. And, and I think that, you know, the terrain and stuff we have here, uh, really reflects and, and complements that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, excited to get folks in these things and go chuck some skids as my Kiwi friends always say. All right, Dave, you know, obviously getting getting a little bit away from the UTV stuff, but I guess somewhat related because uh, they seem to race in this event as well. Um, you ended up doing a, a more recent experience where you did the Baja 1000? I did, yeah. I, uh, explain that one. I, I even saw your, your name on the side of the truck there. Yeah, so, you know, um, a much lesser known story is that uh, last year I actually went to race as well in a trophy truck, and I had Alex Karani come. We flew old... Uh, as I call him oh, now. Oh, I love Alex. Rally Brat. No, we actually, we've renamed him Rally Brit now, actually. So Rally Brit. Oh, he's, yes. Um, he's yeah, dual no, citizenship he's, now, isn't he? He's, he's dual citizenship now, yes. Yeah. So he's <laughs> Rally Brit now. So, yeah, we actually, <laughs> he flew over last year and we made something like, I don't know, it was like 150 pages of, of notes for our section of Baja 1000. And we were all ready to race a brand new trophy truck. And, like, it would have been the coolest thing ever. We, um. We 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 took uh, took some advice from Reese Millen, who's obviously had a lot of success in Baja over the past few years. We we like we got some advice from him, and we came up with this really awesome note system um, for the like super nerds. I'll I'll make the I'll make it short, but it's like so you know you've got a GPS you well, two actually on our in on the co-driver side of the truck, and uh, so they show you the course you know on a on a GPS track. And so what we would do is is Alex would call them descriptive off of the GPS. So he'd say medium right, fast left, whatever. 
And if those were all good, I wouldn't make any changes. But if he came up to something that we weren't clear about or if it got really technical, then we would do numerical. So if he called like a left four, I would know that that was a numerical note. So that means that was like a pace note we created. Um, and we'd, you know, add normal pace note details, trying not to add too much, make it overwhelming because it's 300 miles um, that we were doing, at least in our stint. And so it was this really cool system. And like a lot of his notes, you know, in there off to the side would talk about what's off the track because in Baja you have a lot of passing and a lot of overtaking in dust. So like, you know, it may be the middle of the night and you may be driving, you know, 40 feet off the bumper of another truck that's going similar speeds. You're having a hard time passing them. So you're just driving blind in dust. So you have to know like, okay, what's next to me right now? If I go to the right or left, am I going to like center punch a boulder or a cactus or a house? Like, so it was really cool system, but yeah. So I had a client last year who came to me and was like, Hey, we've raced Baja 1000. Um, we want to, you know, we're buying a new truck. We want to, you know, do a proper this year. We'd love to have you come, come drive with us and do some coaching. So we did some training with them. They didn't have a lot of time available to do much driver training. So it was like, you know, we, we, we didn't really get to go far. We, he was like, I'm a race car driver now. I'm like, well, you spent two afternoons in a golf cart at the ranch. Let's, let's slow ourselves down. So, um, he gets this brand new fancy truck and each of the two owners of the truck at separate times rolled it end over end. Um, both of them on separate occasions crashed it and broke their back. Both fine, not not. But the the irony is the second guy, the main owner, he he crashed 34 miles into the Baja 1000, which an 1150 mile race. He made it 34 miles and broke his back. Uh, but the good news is he's top five spine surgeons in North America, so um, he had a good team to. He was better. He was he was all back together in no time. So so Alex came last year. We didn't actually get to drive. We only got to pre run, which my policy with Baja is like we go down to pre run the race, which is like recce on steroids yeah explain that so uh, yeah what wh wh how does pre-run work oh I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so take everything you know about recce and just just fucking chuck it in the bin there's it is there are no rules once you cross the border in Baja, it's like all right do whatever you want you can i mean you you, you can legitimately you can like you can pull a transporter through the border, you know, they'll stop, go through all your paperwork, yeah, okay. And then if you want, you can just unload your razors, your trophy truck, and just drive that all the way down the peninsula. They don't it's free for all. Anything you want to do. So pre running, you get the GPS file, you load it on your your, your Lawrence or your uh, lead nav and you just go you just go off. You can go as fast as you want, as slow as you want, do whatever you want. It's not a track, it's just the desert in Mexico. So Right. So so essentially you can run the exact course that you're gonna race. Ahead of you time. Do. Yeah, you do. You I mean you 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 really how, how far in advance do you get that information of the route? So the the um uh you know the like my dad's on the Forbes list teams that have millions of dollars and it's just like uh, this is all they do. Uh the second that file comes out, which is in October, like those guys load up their pre runners, which is basically like a trophy truck with a windshield and carpet and AC and uh they go down there and they pre-run. And they, I mean, some of these guys will pre-run, you know, like there's guys who will Ironman the race, meaning do the whole thing start to finish one driver and they'll pre-run it two or three times. We're talking like a thousand wow. mile course, they'll drive two or three times before the race. It's cr I mean, it's crazy the commitment people have to just like a rally, a thing that nobody really cares or remembers that you want it other than you and your mom's real proud. Um, so, <laughs> Yeah, so pre-running is just you just go down and you do whatever you want, and it's like, it is the coolest, most fun thing ever because you can, 
you can like for Alex and I, it was like totally surreal. We're just cruising along and like, be like, oh, let's just stop, you know, get out, hang out, like make a, I always bring a jet boil little camping stove and yeah, I just bring backpackers pantry and, uh, and uh, jet boil and like just hang out on the side of the side of the track in the middle of Baja and have some, you know, pad thai or uh, lasagna or, you know, whatever nice. freeze dried food we bought. But yeah, man, we just like, it's the coolest thing ever, and I, I can honestly say it's it you know pre running Baja maybe the most fun thing I've I've ever ever gotten to do in uh, in in racing. Um, it's really special. It's a really, I think we're all chasing some like level of epic in you know in in racing that is is often feels unattainable. And when Alex and I last year were were pre running in Mexico, you know shirts off in a bright yellow YXZ with no roof. We're just like, you know, ripping along in the desert and we come over this ridge and it's this incredible vista and we stop and I'm like, is this not one of the do- like dopest moments of your whole life? He's like, this is it. Like, this is, this is what it's all about. And it's, it's just totally surreal. And it's like, you're isolated. Like our radio only goes, you know, what, 10 or 20 miles at, at best. And so we only have comms with our team if we're 20 miles away. And so it's like, you know, we didn't bring a satellite phone. We just brought a backpack and some like, you know, limb, like bootleg fake Oreos and some Austin and cracker sandwiches and, you know, some freeze dried meals and like a jacket. We're like, well, hopefully this thing doesn't break. And it's a miracle. We survived any of it, but it's like, and that's oh, just a pre-running. <laughs> that's just a pre-running. And so, yeah, so that was last year. Uh, I didn't end up working with that team again this year, but another client of mine and, and really good friend of mine, who's, who's, uh, been really instrumental in helping us grow the school this year. He, um, uh, his name's Charles Dorrance. He called up and he's like, Yo, I got this. Uh, I got this geyser. I haven't raced it yet. I'm doing Baja 1000. You want to race? And I was like, yeah, yeah. So um, we were chatting, and Aaron was down here one day, and I was like, we should get Aaron to drive. And he was like, yeah, okay. And uh, his schedule ended up getting really crazy. And and you know, this is the kind of dude Aaron is. Aaron was like, he's like, look, here's the deal. I could get in the truck, and I could go drive. I've never driven a trophy truck, uh, and I'm nowhere near as good of a driver as you. And my schedule's crazy. I don't think I can even commit to testing. I just don't feel like I would be able to bring it for the team. So he goes, I would love to be there. Uh, I'd rather co-drive for you. I was like, done. So, yeah. So Aaron hopped in the, in the right seat and, um, he killed it, man. He was, he was, uh, you know, he's no Krista. Like he, he's, uh, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, like having somebody like, you know, Krista in the car, who's a co-driver or somebody like Alex, like would have, would have been a totally different experience. But, you know, Aaron and I have, we're so close. We have such good chemistry. We've worked so much together this year. And, and also the advantage, well, obviously. And chemistry is part of the co-driver thing, right? Huge part of it, obviously. Having Aaron in the car sure is, uh, sure feels good when you think about, uh, if the truck breaks in the middle of the desert, like that's the guy I want riding with me. So, um, you know, I can, I've seen the guy MacGyver some, some pretty wild shit. So, but yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we went and pre-ran and, and just had an, a super awesome time. Um, so much fun. It, we, so the section we got is 200 miles of basically Gorman stages. Like, it's just like flat out fire roads and, you know, some big whoop sections here and there, but it was like totally the rally section. And, uh, which is good. Cause I still have a herniated disc from, from last year. And, uh, <laughs> So it was like, we went out, we're pre-running and Aaron's just like, dude, holy shit. This is like, this is, there's no, there's nothing that could have possibly been handed to you. That's more you. And so, um, we do our pre-running and, uh, come race day, we're sitting out in the middle of the desert waiting on the truck and, 
um, you know, I got a bunch of friends who are racing and we find out all of them are broken within the same five mile section, about 20 miles before where we were going to get in the truck. And sure enough, we get out, we get a, a relay channel comes on and says, Hey, I just want to, you know, relay to you guys, your truck is broken at this mile. And we're like, Oh fuck. So yeah, sure enough. And, and, um, the other, there's three drivers. It was, uh, Charles who owns the truck. And then uh, a guy named Glenn Plake, who's an old, uh, um, freestyle skier from the, from the nineties. He, he was, mm-hmm. he was in the truck and, um, he, the, the steering broke while he was in it. So he was, you know, stuck, couldn't turn the wheel and oh, damn. So three times they come on and tell us the truck's broken. So, um, uh, I guess if we're going to tell the story. Might as well not leave any details out. So Aaron and I go, we go to sleep. We're like, ah, oh, oh, well, you know, truck's broken, no dice. So we don't pack up the fueling rig and stuff. Cause we're like, Hey, you never know, but you know, let's not. So we, we, you know, you, you wear a, you wear a condom catheter in Baja so you can just, you know, pee while you're driving. And, um, so we have these P tubes on, which is basically like a condom full of crazy glue. Um, <laughs> that's enjoyable. I recommend it to no one. And, <laughs> right. So I'm like, I'm not wearing this fucking thing. So we're like, it's like, ah, it's like pulling off a bandaid to the nth degree times a thousand Yeah, ow. to the infinite power. And, uh, so we're like, well, at least I'm not sleeping with that thing. So we, we go to sleep in the truck four hours later, I got, you know, bang, bang on the door. And, and one of the other team members who I don't even know where he was on the peninsula, he comes up, he's like, truck will be here in five. We're like, what truck? And I'm like, crap, I got to poop dude. Like, man, what do I do? And sure enough, I look over and like, right as I'm thinking that truck pulls in and I'm like, okay, so I got to go number two and I don't have a tube to go number one. And, um, does anybody know where my gloves are? Like, no. Okay. Well, I need my gloves. So I'm like, I'm, I go from being asleep, like dead, like full on like REM sleep. Yeah. REM sleep. To, yeah. To, you're like full on dead to the world. Yeah. hundred percent to, to racing the Baja 1000 about to poop my pants in about five minutes. And, uh, <laughs> so, so Aaron and I hop in this thing. I've never even driven this truck. We didn't get to test it. Like I, I went to Vegas to test it a couple months ago and had a little mechanical issue. So that's it. My first time driving this. And, <laughs> and this is a true trophy truck, right? This, How many this, horsepower? Yeah, so it's a spec trophy truck. So um, the trophy trucks are unlimited. It's basically like, uh, like uh, you know, we'll we'll say it's Higgins cars versus Sam Albert's car. It's like a, you know an SP car, or whatever they're calling them now, limited car versus an open car. So, um, so spec trophy trucks are all. Uh, it's an unlimited chassis. You can do anything you want. Uh, the only rules are it's a sealed uh, like crate LS3 and a turbo 400 transmission. So oh, okay. They all run the same engine and transmission. So it's, it's you know, 550 horsepower or something like that. Um, I don't, honestly don't even know. Um, all of nothing at the wheels once it gets to there in a 6,000-pound truck. But, um, you know, more 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 travel than, you know, a cruise ship. And uh, it's right. – <laughs> it's, so we get in this thing. It's like we're supposed to be – we were supposed to get in at like 10 o'clock at night. It's now 6 a.m. and the sun's coming up. And uh, it's that early morning, like it's. You're talking it's, about suspension travel in feet, not inches, right? Yes, 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 yes. It's um, infinite suspension travel, and um, and uh, and so, yeah. I mean, so we anyway we, we get in this thing, and like power steering's barely working. We start driving, and it kind of comes back on. But it's like I just hop in, we turn in, like okay, we're on the track now. It's like all right, well we're racing, and you know I've done I've been fortunate enough to do enough weird racing in the past couple of years like i don't really i don't really get nerves at all anymore like I, I i which is which is exciting aaron on the other hand is like fuck yeah let's do this let's go all right you know and he's like he's amped and uh you know he's like keeping it cool but he's like all right man here we go you know and it's like he is whoo he is he is he is like hollywood man he's ready to go and uh 
and so we get going and i start to get the rhythm of the truck and like we're like holy shit man we're actually doing it and i was like and i'm like fuck yeah you know we get about 20 miles in he's like it's like it's not too bad of a way to uh spend your you know sunday morning i was like i don't hate it at all. saturday morning i was like i don't hate it at all and that and we start as soon as we get comfortable with the truck we just start you know we start peeling trucks off and we start catching a bunch of folks in our class and uh, a bunch of other folks and so uh we uh we ended up being the 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 according to aaron's math the fastest 6100 by a pretty staggering margin we passed one of the one of the faster trucks in the field at mile um 540 and when we got out of the truck at 670 we were 35 miles in front of them and it took them two and a half hours to to catch up to us unfortunately the truck blew up 30 miles later uh number eight connecting rod uh shot its way into the into the um pacific ocean but yeah no i mean it was like it was the best dnf i've ever had we we were everybody on the team was just totally on cloud nine like we you know everyone got to drive and um we proved that we had a uh, we had a hell of a team and and yeah i was i was excited you know rally drivers often come into off-road and and they don't last long they they do the old armin schwartz which you know he of course last drove for skoda and then he started racing in baja did mm-hmm. some off-road stuff and he just he could never finish because rally guys are so used to you know driving the limit of the car and the limit of you know the 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 road it's you know ragged edge it's like baja's all about all about being conservative it's all yeah. about driving. it's about managing the equipment more than it is managing oh. the conditions and the and and the road right yeah i mean it's it's really I mean, that's about, part of it but yeah yeah it's really about just understanding and 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 thinking it's like you know in rallying we're always eyes up eyes up eyes up well in off-road yeah totally eyes up but like you you do actually have to like you got to check right in front of the truck because there's oftentimes you're going fast enough it's like there's stuff that you don't see until you're on it and so you know it's a it's a really different skill set your terrain scanning is different your your you know your your pedal behavior is different like your you know I, I we pulled the data we were probably wide open throttle for i don't know a total of you know maybe four minutes in our four and a half hours if that probably probably less than that and it's you know you just you just go super easy on your equipment you just you know you you partially you can use your body as a metric like you know when you start to feel like your spinal column is two inches shorter you go maybe we're going a little too hard here but yeah and and i I, man it was it was totally really incredible really incredible experience to uh to run one of those those trucks there and we finished and there's a there's one section you know the truck does 103 tops out in a straight line like it you know because it's they're geared so short and so we're we're just kind of on the on the chip on this thing just about and and we come into this, we're going over a big, you know, kind of rough whoop section. And, uh, and I do a little scanty flick and pitch it into a corner and, you know, it slides for, I feels like an eternity. And, and we finish and we get out and Aaron's like, Hey, remember that time? And he's like, you know, the rest of the, the rest of the day, we're like, Hey, remember that one spot where we like came up with a thing? We did a thing. He's like, yeah, that was dope. He's like, dude, remember the time when you like came into the corner? He's like, remember that big scanty flick you did like next to all those spectators? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. It didn't do it for the spectators. He's like, well, look, all I know is when you initiated that flick, I looked down and we were still going 93. And I was like, well, Scandy flicked a trophy truck at 95 miles an hour. Check. <laughs> we can, can say we got that one off the, the old bucket list. He was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. <laughs> we had so much fun. Um, now i got to ask, though, um, what's next? What's next for uh, Texas Dave? Rally Ready and um, Aaron Kaufman. Uh, what it's going to take to get you guys back doing the stage rally, or uh, what? What do you guys plan on doing? You know, I my goal has always been go rally as much as possible. Uh, apparently, what's been possible is none for better part of a decade. But my my goal was always, you know, 
I, I realized that I, I wasn't born into the money, and, and, and I, I hate to use that term, and I hate to be dismissive of people who are fortunate enough to have the means to go rallying, whether earned or otherwise. Like I, I'm stoked to see anybody out there, and, and uh, so I've, I'm, I'm excited to get back there. But for me, it's like I realized that I needed to figure out my, my path, and so I you know started building this business. Fortunate, we're, We've been really, really fortunate, especially this year, um, to have grown a lot, have a lot of success. And so I, I think it's finally time that the business can afford to send me racing a bit. So next year, Aaron and I uh, are, are kind of partnering in a, a little bit a bigger capacity on some racing stuff. We're going to, we're trying to get out and just do as much as we can. So I think we, we're hoping to do three rallies next year, three ARA events. I'm not sure which those would be. Uh, there's, there's, there's some talk and some speculation. I'll, I'll need to consult with some folks internally to see which ones are going to be UTV friendly. We've, we've been having some, some really awesome chats with uh, the folks at Textron. Um, so between Aaron's rally car and I've, I've got three instructors here who are all building rally cars right now. We're, we're definitely going to be at some rallies. We're working with a team on the full best of the desert championship and we're running the full score championship. And I think we've got a couple of UTVs to run the, the Lucas oil short course series. So, and then a couple of, of international events. So that's what we're hoping to do racing wise. As far as the school goes, we've, we've got a, a lot of stuff that I, I don't really know what I'm supposed to talk about and not. So I, whatever. Um, but we're, there's a couple of locations we're looking at. Um, and a couple of things. All five people are that are listening, you know that. They, yeah, they're, yeah. They're okay with it. Well, but you know how it is. There's always there always be the one person who uh, you know is like aha, and it's gonna download it and send it to you know whoever. To John Van Landingham, yes. That's it, JVL man, the Super <laughs> Troll, Super Troll nine thousand. Uh, is he like real? Has anybody actually verified that he's a real human? Is that like a thing? Because it's all hey, signs he point is real because because he was on the um easier said than done yeah but matt johnson is very talented and I, he can he can totally he could have created the character yeah that's true. how hard would it be to like how do you you just cast that you're like i just need uh someone who hasn't showered this decade who looks like they put away a fifth of liquor right before four pounds of taco bell who who do you have like oh there you go bam there's like a there's like 50 people he could have cast for that uh, I feel. I just feel like you don't have to pull any punches because uh, Lord knows, fucking JVL never has. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm really excited to do some rallying. I'm, I'm super excited for, for some changes here. I, I went to Nitro, the Nitro Rally Cross earlier this year, and I was like, yep, I want to do that. So, we're, we're, awesome. we're playing with some ridiculous uh, stuff here at the ranch. We're building some stuff that's that we're really excited about. That'll be super fun. Um, Freaking nitro rally cross. I mean, if you look at the stuff that Pastrana comes up with in his brain, and you're just like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. Once you get to nitro, you're like, oh, okay. Well, here's what it looks like. This is like a neuro map of Travis's brain, and it was it was incredible. I mean, he he for a guy who who like is just super ridiculous and silly and over the top with everything, and like everything he does is like a joke. There's there is nobody who's a more consummate professional, and I'm I'm always impressed with with uh you know who he is and what he does but but nitro rallycross was like it was super rad and um so i'm i i was just really inspired by what he did there um and last year i had a really rough 2017 so i i uh or 16 i should say so early 17 i, I packed up and just uh travel as soon as the new wrc cars came out i was like well gotta go see those so i went to uh rally sweden mexico and france all back to back and spectated and 
and then so spent time in uh, Australia and New Zealand on some rallies there. And so I came back with like all these ideas and inspiration for, for, you know, our stages and roads and facility here. And then the problem is I went to Nitro and did the same thing. So, um, so we're building some cool new stuff at the ranch. I'm really excited about, obviously our UTV program is about to kick into full swing. And then, uh, yeah, looking at a couple other locations that the, the brand will sort of evolve into and then a handful of TV projects for next year. Um, excellent excellent well i'm i'm looking forward to uh 2019 it's a it's a hell of a schedule that ara's got now uh with the somewhat demise i guess if you could say of uh, rally america moving into a a media role now yeah um with their recent announcement but uh it's kind of become i guess in a way a unification which we've been hoping to see uh i'm excited to see you out there hope to see you at some events yeah and uh aaron as well and um, is there any uh, last words before I let you go? Uh, gosh, it's getting kind of late over there, man. We've been talking a long time. Oh shit, it's almost midnight. I, yeah, this right? is about, about a normal workday for me. No, <laughs> I um, no, man, it's it's been a pleasure as always. And um, you know, to to you and all the the incredible folks up in the Pacific Northwest, I you know, I I, I haven't gotten a chance to say thank you enough to everybody for helping with our our project earlier this year. Um, and uh, yeah, I I um. I had so much fun up there getting to hang with you guys and and yeah anybody anybody who's interested in, in kind of learning more about what we're doing and, and specifically especially our UTV program which I'm I'm super excited about uh, feel free to call me anytime our my uh, the number on our on the rally ready site just rallyready.com rolls to my cell and nine times out of ten I'll pick it up in the middle of some absurd project whether I'm herding some rescue dogs around or uh, or driving a tractor or whatever I'm always up to chat rally so um, yeah hopefully we'll uh, catch up with some folks soon and uh like i said we'll see it we'll see it some events up in your neck of the woods i hope very soon sounds good all right well texas dave of rally ready rally school dude it's been awesome having you on the show thanks so much for taking the time yeah thank you man let's do it again soon all right we'll take care and uh we'll be talking to you in 2019 cheers man and that wraps up this episode of the Open Paddock Rallycast. Remember, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or search your favorite podcast app. We are also on all the popular social media platforms, and you can follow our shows also on YouTube if you prefer to listen to us there. Please subscribe, tell a friend, give us a like, and a share. We are always especially appreciative of feedback. Thanks again to our guest, Texas Dave Carapation. I think I got it finally right that time. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs>